The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning, FCB and ACB Media to the 69th Annual Convention. <laughs> We've had, we're almost halfway there, guys. Um, please um, stand while we welcome Boy Scout Troop 200 from St. Michael's Episcopal, if I can get it out, <laughs> Church in the College Park area of Orlando. And they're going to present the colors. May we all join in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early Not hear that song without crying. That's Mika White from the state of Washington from ACB. Yeah, that was Mika White. So thank you, boys, for being here. Let's give a round of applause for the Boy Scouts and Joe, their dad, for bringing them out. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Um, at this time, I'd like to thank ACB Media for doing this for us. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Katie, for organizing it all. Thank you to all of our ACB hosts that are assisting all weekend. At this time, I'm going to ask everybody to turn your cell phones off, please. Um, if Cassandra's not in here, I'll find somebody else to take up the collection. <laughs> I like I like that fundraising idea. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, at this time, I'd like to introduce Dan Spoon, who will introduce our sponsors for this morning. Good morning, everybody. Oh, don't have to get the quite this close. Good morning, everybody. It, it feels like it was only a few short hours since we said goodbye to everybody in the hospitality suite about 12 o'clock last night. So I am really proud of all of us for being here this morning and uh, you know, kudos to the staff at the hotel for really working to get us all through breakfast. And yay! Thank you, thank you. That was that was Yeoman's work to get that done. And I'm really here this morning to say thank you, thank you, thank you to so many people who've worked hard uh, to put together our sponsorship package for 2022. Have to give a special shout out to Leslie Spoon, who's worked so hard contacting everybody, but she has not done it alone. She's worked with Wanda Stokely, our exhibits coordinator, Katie Lear, our convention coordinator, Sally Benjamin, who did anybody get a chance to see that wonderful sponsorship poster right outside the uh, right outside the exhibit hall, as well as getting all our information in the program and the website. So it truly, truly is a team effort to put this together. And so big, big round of applause for everybody. And it really has become such an integral part of our convention. We could not be putting all of this on this weekend without the help of our sponsors. They truly are making a huge difference. This year, our sponsorships raised $9,200 for this convention. And now I'd like to at least uh, run down the list and let you know who are these sponsors that have given so much to the Florida Council of the Blind. The first is our platinum sponsor, which is Democracy Live at $2,500. So thank you, Democracy Live. And we'll hear from them in just a minute. And then we have a platinum light sponsor, Charter Spectrum Communications at $1,500. Thank you, Spectrum. At gold sponsor at $1,000 is Vanda Pharmaceutical. Thank you, Vicki and Vanda Pharmaceutical. Non-24, right, everybody? We've heard that. Yeah. We have five silver sponsors at $500. The first is a brand new sponsor, which is Central Florida Audio Description Initiative. Thank you to them. And then back for a second year is, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, Disability Rights Florida. So thank you so much to Disability Rights Florida. And the uh, organization that's sponsored for at least the last five years, ESNS Vote. Thank you so much for accessible voting. And then for the first year at the 500 silver sponsorship level, Friends of the Library Access. Thank you so much, Friends of the Library. And for the first time ever at a silver level, I'd like to recognize the Halifax Council of the Blind chapter. Thank you so much. And we have six bronze sponsors. We have Orcam. Everybody remembers Orcam, the $250. Thank you so much. Florida Vision Technology, Lisa and team, thank you so much. Blind and Beyond Radio Show, Michael and Lynn, Sheila, everybody, shout out to them. 
And then we have three chapters that are at the bronze sponsorship level this year. First, the Greater Orlando Council of the Blind. The Pinellas Council of the Blind. And the Tallahassee Council of the Blind. Thank you. And then we have at a red level, a $100 sponsor, Sheila Young, our own AFCB president. And then at the white level, $50, we have Mark and Katie Lear. And also at the white level, we have the Florida Council of Citizens with Low Vision chapter. So thank you all so much. I think it's a testimony to this organization that five of our chapters are also convention sponsors. So thank you to everybody so much. One time, real quick, hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Thank you. And now I would like to introduce from Democracy Live, Brian Finney and Charlie Kneen to tell us a little bit about what we're doing all together to work to provide access for mail-in ballots in the state of Florida. So Charlie and Brian, take it away. Thank you and welcome. Okay, Dan, thank you so much. Good morning, good morning, everybody. I believe I'm your, your second uh, Washingtonian, Washington State resident uh, coming to you here this morning after that glorious rendition uh, by Mika White on the national anthem. I'm out here in, in, in Washington this morning, so top of the morning to you. I'm early enough to uh, make this presentation and then go out fishing um, this, this morning here. But I do want to say thank you and, and what an honor it has been to be able to sponsor the, the Florida uh, Council of the Blind Convention for 2022. Uh, it's a true honor to get to know um, uh, uh, some of you, and, and I look forward to getting to know more of you over the next um, coming years as we continue to sp sponsor such an important event. Um, as Dan mentioned, this is uh, this is a, our uh, sponsorship here, and, and our company is is really about access to voting. Uh, this is a critical election year here in 2022, and really for the first time, because of the efforts of the uh, FCB and. And Sheila, and I want to get a quick shout out to, to Jim Crott and the entire team for making such a strong effort to expand access to the vote uh, for all voters in the state of Florida. And for the first time, all 67 counties are going to have access um, and provide you access to an accessible absentee ballot or vote by mail ballot. So cheers to all of you. You did a wonderful yeoman's job. Again, as I mentioned, for those of you that were on the, the, the presentation yesterday, um, your efforts and your impact doesn't stop with the state of Florida. It has had a ripple effect across the entire country to expand access to voting for all. So you should all be celebrated and, and congratulated. Uh, now, for those of you that did hear me yesterday, I spoke for about an hour or so. And, and so at the risk of being overly redundant, um, I wanted to, um, to, uh, to, to perhaps not um, revisit that entire presentation from yesterday in, in the in the handful of minutes that we have here. Instead, what I was um, hoping to do and what I've done here is, is invite Melissa Carney um, to uh, the, the quick presentation here this morning. Melissa is a, a younger voter who happens to have used our system many, many times. Um, and when we say the system, we're talking about, in our case, it's a accessible balloting portal called OmniBallot, which can provide you all access to a voter um, or access to the ballot in the state of Florida, but also the ability 
to not just print out the ballot, which is what has to happen in Florida today, but Melissa will explore or, or share with you her experience in using what we call the electronic return option to be able to vote completely privately and independently without the use of a printer. So I thought what we would do is bring in uh, Melissa, who has, um, again, experienced the system as a voter who happens to be blind, using her case, I believe it's JAWS, and she'll just share with you for a few minutes here her experience with the hope being that you all can go out there and actually use the system in, 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 the, in the coming months, both in your primary and in the general election. I think that would really be a, a great step forward to get lots of activity to use the system to show the state, to show the jurisdictions that there is a demand for equal access to voting, voting at home, and then use that as a, as a springboard to demand and, and, and expect electronic return of the ballot in the future so you're not required to have a printer. So with that, um, I'm gonna turn it over to Melissa and uh, she'll just share with you um, for a couple minutes here, her experience using the electronic uh, accessible absentee ballot. Melissa? Good morning, everyone. I'm very impressed. I have, I have not even had my coffee yet and I can sense the enthusiasm in the room from this far away. So thank you for providing me with that energy boost this morning in lieu of my coffee. Um, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here with you all today. I'm in the state of New York. So fortunately, it's not 5 a.m. where I am. Um, I, and I am an educational outreach consultant for Democracy Live. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to test the software and to be able to work with Brian so closely to make sure that we're bringing voters the best experience possible. The beauty of a fully accessible electronic voting system is that we don't need access to a printer, as Brian mentioned. We also don't need to focus on things that might be cumbersome for some of us, such as transportation. Uh, those of us with, let's say, service dogs who are experiencing a lot of Uber and Lyft denials lately, we do not have to experience as many trying to get to the polling place or trying to get access to a printer. Paratransit, just a couple of the examples of transportation that we could avoid by using a fully accessible system. So what this means is not only would you be able to privately and independently mark the ballot, from the safety of your home, but you'd also be able to submit your ballot. So there would be no need to print it, no need to sign it. Everything would be taken care of from the comfort of your home and also be able to utilize your comfort level with the assistive technology preferences that you use on a daily basis. I'm going to quickly talk about my experience utilizing at least part of this technology in the Pennsylvania election, the presidential election, when I, when I lived there and was able to, to participate in an election for the first time. Now, previously, I'd lived in states that didn't have an accessible voting option. It was a printed mail-in ballot, and I didn't feel comfortable sharing my responses with anyone when they didn't have to. My sighted peers did not have this barrier. So when I was able to vote in Pennsylvania, I can't tell you the amount of empowerment and the amount of freedom I was able to experience when I filled out my ballot independently, when I could see all the choices, and honestly, when I could just view a ballot for the first time. I'd never even seen what it looked like. So for anyone who hasn't voted yet, hasn't felt comfortable to do so, 
or any of the the young voters out there who are really looking for that chance to get involved and have an impact on the decisions in this country and in your state, it's such a great way to get involved. And I'm so, so grateful as a blind individual to be able to utilize this system, again, to vote safely, securely, privately, and independently, most of all, from the safety of my home. Thank you. Terrific. Melissa, thank you so much. And I, and I believe we have just a short time here this morning. But again, I would like to say that it, it's a tremendous honor to both uh, work with many of you and, and, and help sponsor this this uh, very important uh, conference. And, and I, I I'm, uh, trust that it's going to be an exciting and, and informative conference for all of you. And for any of you that have any questions about this process, um, Democracy Live is supporting um, probably over half the population in the state of Florida, but many counties may, may be using other types of technologies. But what's important is because of the interest or the, the efforts and, and the energy and the mobilization that the Florida Council of the Blind put into providing access to all 67 counties, regardless of the provider. You know, we, we happen to be um, Democracy Live, but there are other providers that are that are providing the same type of service throughout Florida to reach out, reach out and engage your local elections uh, authority. Uh, make sure that 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 they are fully aware of, of this new uh, requirement and to make sure that they are broadcasting and educating and, and reaching out to their local communities um, to make sure that all voters are fully aware of this new technology to be, be able to be fully empowered, fully enfranchised, um, at least as much as possible for now, because it does for now require that printer. But let's not let that us, you know, uh, prevent us from getting out there and, and showing the demand that's out there, because I can promise you that when you get lots of activity and, and, and lots of interest in this type of technology, then the momentum will build toward, as, as Melissa just um, shared with you, the experience of not requiring a printer and really being able to sit you know, at home on, on your couch in the privacy of your home on your device that you're comfortable with and be fully enfranchised as a, as a voter voting independently and privately. So with that, um, I don't think um, Sheila or Dan were, were taking questions this morning, I, I believe. Um, no, uh, thank you. And Brian, thank you so much. Thank you for getting up at five in the morning. And Melissa, wonderful comments. It's always good to hear the perspective of one of the members of our community of the blind and low vision community. And Thank you so much for sponsoring the Florida Council of Blind Convention and have a wonderful morning. Thank you. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. You Bye-bye. too. And then I'm not sure if he's in the house or night or not, but is Peter K here from Spectrum? Kuchiavi. Thank you, Sheila. I just call him Peter K. <laughs> is Peter here? I don't know if he was going to be able to make it right here right now, but they Spectrum has a session later on this morning. So please stop by, meet Peter and the team at Spectrum. They're happy to be here this weekend and answer any of your questions. So again, thank you to Democracy Live. Thank you to Charter Spectrum. Let's have a wonderful convention. And one more time, let's give a big hip hip hooray for our sponsors. Thank you. And I am so sorry, guys. I totally, totally skipped Pam Shaw's giving the morning prayer to get us started. So um, you want to come over here? Good morning, everyone. 
Let's just, just stop for a moment of prayer. Most holy and gracious God, we come before you this morning. And the one thing we want to say is thank you. Thank you for another day. Thank you for moments to honor you. And as we honor one another, God, we would ask that you would be with us, give us guidance and wisdom and peace and joy. Thank you for watching over our families and our friends as we are away. And God, is our hope that when this day is done, you will look upon the Florida Council of the Blind and say that is well done. In the name of your darling son, we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I don't know how I could have forgotten that. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I needed that, Pam. Thank you. <laughs> um, next on the agenda is the reading of the constitutional changes, amendments, and um, et cetera that have been appro approved. It is not time for conversation or discussion. Tomorrow morning, we will get a chance to do that. So is Cynthia on Zoom? Okay. Yes, ma'am. I'm here. Good morning, Cynthia. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Sheila and everyone. I just want to say I miss my PCB family. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. Um, yes, serious matters now. Um, I'm reading there are only two uh, matters before us today. Um, we uh, recommend uh, these two changes to be voted on at the convention. Uh, the first uh, amendment is to the FCB policy manual. Um, and I'll read the amendment and then the proposed amendment and then tell you where it's going to be entered into the where we propose to be entered into the policy manual. Number three. FCB first-timer sponsorship program. Each FCB local or special interest chapter may recommend one member who has never attended an FCB convention to receive financial assistance from FCB in the amount of $100 to help defray convention expenses. Uh, second, um, further, the recommended first-timers name must be submitted to the FCB treasurer at least one month prior, one month before the convention. To receive the FCB contribution in the form of a check, the recipient must attend the FCB first-timers workshop accompanied by a member of their chapter. The chapter may match or exceed the FCB contribution as they see fit. The as, and then that is the end. Um, as approved by FCB Constitution and Bylaws Committee 10-11-21 for insertion into the FCB policy manual as number three under the meeting section, um, renumbering the remaining following sections as five and four and five respectively. That is the first proposed amendment. The second proposed amendment um, is indeed to the uh, Constitution, um, and it reads as follows. Article 4, voting. Add Section D. D, voting on all issues at any meeting shall be conducted via voice vote 
For voice votes, in-person attendees shall vote via the protocol provided, including but not limited to standing, hand-raising, and or roll call votes. Virtual attendees shall cast votes by the protocol provided for the adopted remote meeting platform or client program. In addition, there shall be a roll call of affiliates by which official affiliate delegates shall announce the votes of their respective organizations. Um, and that would be inserted um, as article to article four, we would add uh, section D, which would which would um, which I just read. That was approved by the FCB Constitution and Bylaws Committee uh, 09-13-2021. That's all, Madam President. Thank you, Cynthia. And we will talk to you tomorrow morning. Yes, I'll be here. All right. Um, how about a door prize? Anybody want to? <laughs> this morning's door prize is a $25 cash donation from the Halifax Council of the Blind. Thank you, Halifax. And it goes to Gabriel Lopez Cavani. Yeah. <laughs> now the nominating committee is going to present the slate of officers for tomorrow morning's election because tomorrow morning's transportation concerns and problems. We will be doing the election as soon as roll call is done. So you need to be here by eight o'clock because we're starting at eight. So they can come down, they can take part in our elections, and then they've got to get to the train, which leaves at 10, 10, 10, if it's on time. So, um, Doug, you ready? Thank you, President Sheila, yes. Um, I want to thank the board for selecting me yesterday to chair our nominating committee. We did meet. Um, it was I was directed to make an announcement today of our slate, as well as tomorrow. And here's the slate. The nominating committee chose for president, the candidate is Sheila Young. For first vice president, the slate is Mikey Wiseman. For second vice president, nominating committee chose Cassandra Jesse. For recording secretary, the slate chose Mary Tyson. For treasurer, the slate is, uh, includes Mark Lear. And the nominating committee chose as membership secretary, the candidate is Sally Benjamin. And I think that is it okay. until tomorrow. Thank you, Doug. Thank you. Thank for, you very much. Thank you for being the chair of the nominating committee. Um, also, I want to thank Monica for stepping in. Our host that was scheduled could not host because she didn't have Wi-Fi connection. So thank you, Monica, for stepping in and being our substitute today. You're welcome. Um, see, are there any other announcements that need to be made? Thank you, Madam President. It's Terry Suarez, just to give you an update with the scavenger hunt for Get Up and Get Moving. Today at 5 o'clock is the deadline. Um, just wanted to remind everyone, who's doing the scavenger hunt? Let's hear it. Woo-woo! 
Okay, so um, those of you that are participating and those that want to make a comment, please see me by five o'clock today. Um, I will be in the hallway across from the Buford. There's some chairs and a table. Um, we'll be collecting your information and we will make an announcement tomorrow of who is the great hunter of Florida Council of the Blind. And we're definitely looking for opportunities of improvement. This is the first time I've done this and we really wanna hear your input. Thank you so much. And Madam President, back to you. Thank you, Terry. Is there any other announcements? Are there, excuse me, I must be proper in my English. <laughs> Hearing none at this time, I would like to turn the program over to Debbie Grubb. So Debbie, would you like to come up front? Oh, okay. All right. This is a program that means so much to me. And since it meant so much to me, I figured it would mean a lot to you. And I attended a convention committee meeting several months ago, and I asked them if they would consider um, allowing me to bring this program to you with such wonderful contributors for our opening ceremony. And they were very um, enthusiastic in their acceptance of the idea. I want to begin by saying that empowerment is a positive way. It's like the little train that could. And it empowers each of us to take our passions, our knowledge, our convictions, and do something positive with them for our own personal good and for the common good of all. And it is my fervent belief that if all of us, where we are, with our own unique gifts, all of the things that make us special, if we become those little steam engines that drive that little train that could, we can begin a movement that will bring positivity, passion, and a real recognition of, of diversity, an acceptance, and a highly charged belief in equality for all, and a respect and a recognition of diversity. I believe that with all of my heart. I want to say that I have invited people. One thing, when you offer to do something, you get to invite the people that you want. And I have invited people who are passionate, who live the little engine that could life every day. And I have asked them to come and to share with you. And I am so thrilled that all of them have accepted I am not going to give bios on these people because what they're going to talk to you about is their own personal life, their own personal journey to empowerment and how they live the empowerment life. And each story is going to be as individual and unique as are all of these wonderful men and women that I have invited to present here today. Our first participant is someone that I have not known very long, but I attended a call on the ACB Multicultural Affairs Committee, and I have always been a big fan and supporter of Peggy Garrett. And she 
decided it was time for her to also pass the torch. And when I got to meet and hear Cheryl Cummings, I was so enthused at her kindness, her soft and, and, and respectful and accepting way of speaking and her enthusiasm for our cause. And I remember saying um, at the committee when we all got a chance to say something, I said, you know, if you all want to do something, you've got the most wonderfully warm, welcoming and accepting person heading up this wonderful committee and reach out to her. And so I was absolutely thrilled when Cheryl said that she would speak with us. So without any further ado, I introduce to you Cheryl Cummings, and she is going to introduce herself to you and her journey to and living her life of empowerment. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. So good morning, Florida. And thank you, Debbie and the Florida Council of the Blind for inviting me to be part of this panel. Um, as Debbie said, my name is Cheryl Cummings. And prior to joining ACB, I was an immigrant kid growing up in Chicago. Um, my mom came to the United States. And after eight years, she brought um, my brother, my grandparents, and me to join her in the United States. Um, in Guyana as a child, I was involved in everything. I took ballet and African dance lessons. I played the piano. I tried to learn to play the flute. I was a brownie. Uh, I was uh, uh, altar girl and uh, that's helping out priests, uh, the, the priests during our Sunday services. Um, I loved it all and thought when we moved to the United States, I would continue to do all of these things. And for the most part, I did. A few things did change. One, uh, white and black kids laughed at me because of my funny accent and the way I dressed. I was called the N-word and had to ask my mom, um, what, what did it mean? But even as I had to adjust, there were some things which helped me to keep, which helped to keep me grounded. My mother, my great aunt and uncle, my aunt and my grandparents, they were always there. They always told me that I was good at school, um, I was a good person, and that I was someone worth fighting authority figures to get what was best, what was right for me. I saw my grandmother stand up for me when I was in Guyana, and I saw my mother stand up for me when I was in Chicago. Um, I learned and believed that I was and am somebody worthy with gifts to contribute to my world. I learned and believed that there are people around me who don't always want the best for me, but since I want the best for, for me, I have to keep moving ahead and I can't let other people's negativity um, pull me down. And then at the age of 13, I became blind and lots of things changed. So I stopped dance and piano. I could no longer be an altar girl 
and um, I soon I had to wait until someone else in my family or a friend wanted to go someplace to to be able to get around. Um, yet, at the same time, I gained. My church helped our family to ensure that I could continue um, attending Catholic schools. I had this wonderful itinerant teacher, Mrs. King, who taught me Braille and worked with my school to get me the textbooks and all of the materials I needed. I then had a wonderful um, English teacher, Mrs. Alexander, who took the time to ensure that I had the readings I needed and that I understood what was happening in class. As a result, a time which could have been filled with loss and sadness was filled with figuring out um, how to get things done. I wanted to learn and I wanted to get involved in my school community. And there were people around me willing to spend the time to help me to succeed. That brings me to an important point I really want to make about self-empowerment. The self part of that word, I think, can be a little misleading. It can make us think that self-empowerment is something we're perhaps born with or something that we have to do all by ourselves. But I want to offer a different way of thinking about self-empowerment. As much as the as much as the individual has a part, true empowerment, I believe, happens when there's a part a partnership between you, the individual, and others. I think if you're someone who is motivated and someone who is eager to get involved, if all you ever encounter are barriers and closed doors, then I think over time you become frustrated. And when people say or, or tell you negative things about you or what you're trying to do, it's more it's easy for you to believe to believe them. So for me, I think that We've probably heard this saying, but I really think this is true. It's really true that no one is an island. We are all selves in relation to others. As a result of this understanding of self-empowerment, I recognize that we all approach our push for change differently. There's value in paying attention to the different types of people when uh, even to paying attention to people who disagree with us or to people who profess that they don't like us. Um, history shows that in order to have change, we need everybody involved. So many years ago, thanks to Pam Shaw and others, ACB created the Multicultural Affairs Committee and tasked the committee with the mission of promoting and sustaining a cohesive and inclusive environment that truly values and embraces diversity, cultures, differences, 
and perspectives within the framework of ACB. The committee has and is doing its work. We are building on a long tradition which believes that change can happen by changing the hearts of people who are in opposition to change. One of the ways we are doing this uh, is increasing our knowledge of each other. Therefore, you see MCAC either alone or together with other committees and affiliates um, presenting workshops or sessions um, that deal with our history, our culture, and our social, economic, and political realities. Our goal is to break down stereotypes. We're also pursuing another path, which is working with the mentoring team and working to implement the mentorship access and peer support program. We know that an organization whose leadership is diverse is more effective and more successful. This mentorship program we, through the mentorship program, we want to give new diverse leaders the opportunity to learn about the business and the membership components of ACB. We will continue to explore additional programs as we move forward. ACB is one organization with two parts, staff and membership. And the two parts should be reflective of each other. To get there, I'm open and willing to work with everyone. Over these last few, few months as a new chair, I've learned a lot. I've gotten some things wrong, but I know that I'm here because I'm committed to making ACB a more inclusive and diverse organization. I'm also deeply grateful to my family, my friends, and my teachers who have given me gifts that I always draw on to empower me to keep moving forward. Thank you so much for this invitation to share my journey with you, and thank you very much for listening to me. You know, one thing, if we take away only one thing, and there's so many things to take away from this excellent presentation, there are times when we need the gift, when we need the gift of mentoring, help, encouragement, a friendly word. But just because we need the gift doesn't mean that we can't be a giver and give the gift to someone else in need of what we need. It is a journey, but we do what we can, where we can, as we're on it. So I so much admire Cheryl, and I'm so glad that she shared with us today. It was a beautiful presentation. And let's remember, we can be the gift and we can be the recipient of the gift. And it, it is not an exclusive thing. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, 
Um, I want to introduce to you someone else that I have admired so much as I've seen her wonderful messages on the blog ACB Voices, as I've seen her stuff about oh, as she works with the Board of Publications. And I am so glad that Cache Wells can be here with us and be here live. Um, I was so anxious. Isn't that wonderful? We are so glad to have you, Cache. Um, at first, she was going to have to come on Zoom, but now we have her. And so without any further ado, I bring to the microphone our friend and fellow member of FCB and ACB and the ACB Board of Publications, Cache Wells. Good morning. Good morning. Um, thanks to Cheryl for such eloquent uh, presentation. And I just know I may not be as long. <laughs> I do want to thank Debbie for uh, the opportunity to present today. And one thing that I um, wanted to think about when I was asked is uh, personal empowerment. And there's so much that can encompass in that. And I think about my life growing up and I think about what the things that made me who I am and my mom and her struggle to make sure that her children had a better life and how she persevered so much to make sure that we had and that we were afforded the things that she wanted us to have. And so growing up, we lived in uh, lower income housing. And one thing my mom did, she knew that she wanted us to be better and different. And so I would go to my aunt's house and stay um, for the week so that I can go to a better uh, school. She wanted to make sure that I had better education. And I thank her for that. And I thank her for all the things, the morals and values that she had given me um, as the starting path to who I am. Growing up, you know, you think about how am I going to fit in this world? And, you know, you try to fit with your friends and your family and try to fit with your schoolmates. And sometimes that don't always work out. And as I grew, I always knew that something about me was different. And as I got older, I started to realize that I wasn't interested in the things that other people were interested in. And I knew that my journey for myself was going to be different. And I had to know that for me, I had to make a decision where I wanted to stand. And I think when I think about personal empowerment, I had to learn how to stand in my own truth. And so today I share you a few things that helped me along the way, which was the first thing was knowing who I was. Leaning and depending on the values and the morals that my parents had given me and recognizing that I didn't have to fit with everybody. I just had to be the best me that I needed to be. And that's what personal empowerment is. It's standing in the right to know that I have to take ownership of who I am. I have to take ownership of the things and the path and the choices that I want to make and that I want to pursue. And for me, I love just doing the things that I love to do. And as I became older, teenager, I realized that, you know, now is the time for me to set a course of something different. And I had some of the greatest mentors. I had some of the greatest family that encouraged me to just stand in who I was, stand in who I was. And I, I, I am so grateful for that. Um, living in uh we moved into a multi uh a very diverse neighborhood and so i had so many neighborhood friends and school friends and we just enjoyed one another's company and recognizing that we were just friends but as we grew up and we started going out we recognized that 
we recognized that we were different from one another, but we just thought we were just the same. At the end of the day, we just <laughs> we didn't think much of it until other people started to tell us what we couldn't do and who we couldn't be with. And I say that, you know, recognizing that the beauty of empowerment means that I'm walking in the self-reliance, my own personal determination, my own motivation. And those are the attributes and qualities that I feel continue to make me persevere, um, helps me to be motivated and helps me to stay encouraged because the things that I know that I am able to do, I know that I face with certain oppositions and certain challenges because someone else is watching me. Someone else is looking at me. Someone's looking at my journey and my path and recognize that although our paths may be different, we can all come together because empowerment is taking ownership and learning that although we're different, we're so much alike. We're so much alike and that the little things that are that separate us uh, don't have to divide us. They don't have to divide us. Um, I, I, I think about um, one thing that is so important is that when we respect one another, we respect each other to be unique. We respect each other to be different. We respect each other to know that we can all come together, learn from one another, take heed to different viewpoints, different perspectives, and recognize that the more that we come together, the better we are together. That the more that we come together, the better that we are together. And I love the fact that being a part of this organization has even helped me to feel like I can have something to impart, to have, that I can have an impact. And at first, I didn't think that. Because society wants you to think certain things. And at the end of the day, until you get netted in and you get to know people and you get to allow them to know who you are, you can stand in that truth of empowerment. You can stand in your own encouragement. You can stand in your motivation to, to be, to be, um, self-motivated, to be self-driven. And one thing that I do want to say that is in spite of, um, anything that you may encounter, that anything that you may face, our, our job is to know that we can learn from one another. And I think that's the most important thing. We don't have to prove who we are. We just have to be who we are. And the more that you show that you can walk in who you are, that you recognize the beauty. I recognize the beauty of my neighbor because I'm not trying to be my neighbor. I recognize that she stands lovely on her own, that he stands great on his own. And together we can bring greater value out of one another. And diversity and equity and inclusion is so important because it is a partnership that we want to partner so that everybody's voice can be heard, that every person can be respected. And the more that we respect one another, the better that we are together, the better that we can excel and we can all win together. We say that we are a family and let's walk in the empowerment of that family. Because, you know, everybody doesn't want, everybody don't want spaghetti when mom cooks spaghetti, you know, you know, we everybody doesn't want chicken, you know, so many things that we, again, we, we can, we can find lots of things that can separate us, but let's start to build upon the things that we can join collectively together. We can collaborate together. Let's start making those conversations movement. Let's start making the conversations actions to be led upon. Let's start making the love that we say we have. 
present. Let's make it present. Let us walk in the truth of who we are. Let us walk in the respect that we have for one another. And again, thank you so much for your time. And I hope and pray that again, that the more that we just love on one another, we all walk in that empowerment together. Thank you. Amen. Didn't I tell you she was great? <laughs> I, I just want to say something because Cashier made such a point. We can be a family and we can be together. And it's when we do that and we let the love come first that we can truly, absolutely recognize and enjoy and benefit from our diversity. That we can truly be inclusive because we have loved first. I find that love is the great unifier. And if we do what that book that the seeing eye that Peter Putnam wrote so long ago, let love lead the way, the other stuff happens. If we can see each other as human beings and love, we want to do all the things that Cheryl and Cachet and our other wonderful speakers will bring to us. I want to tell you one quick little anecdote. I um, was I was um, here in Florida and I went to a very large church and this precious little girl came over to me and threw her arms around me and said, I love you, Miss Debbie. And I said, well, I love you too. And she gave, and her mom and dad came and they said, um, you know, Abby just loves you so much. And she wanted to give you this little multicolored bead bracelet. And I put it on. I want to tell you, it was six months later when I learned this family is black. They they came to my house. Um, Katie, the mother who became such a good friend, brought the children. I loved them up. I played with them. When she had her third child and she brought it as a newborn, she took the little glove off the hand so I could touch her babe, brand new newborn baby's hand. And you know what? Somebody said to me, aren't they a lovely black family? And I just go, oh. And I said, you know what? They are. I love them so much. And do you know what I found? It was an extra piece of knowledge that I didn't know. And it was something I added, but it didn't change the love. And the love and spontaneity of a little child, a little six-year-old child, made that happen. And in scripture, it says that sometimes we have to have the hearts and the spontaneity of children. And I think that's what these lovely ladies have tried to say to us thus far. Um, I'm going to call on a gentleman that I have known of in ACB for a long time. His voice was very familiar to me. And what I will tell you is I noticed he was a man of charm, gentleness, and filled with expertise. And I had the honor of being um, the, the keynote speaker at the ACB of Texas Legislative Seminar Pep Rally. And so in return, I said to Ken Semyon Sr., can you come and be a part of my empowerment group? And you know what? It's a what that's what we do. See, he he asked me to be a giver. And I became, for that time, a gift to that organization as I brought what I brought. You know, I love cheerleading and stuff to the pep rally. But then now, I'm presenting him to you. 
as the gift. And that's what this whole thing is about. So without any further ado, I would like to present to you now on Zoom, Mr. Kenneth Simeon Sr. Good morning, everyone. I'm honored to be with you today uh, on Zoom, uh, which I would have could have been there in person, but I'm honored to even be able to share part of my story, my journey. Uh, it has been quite challenging at times, especially in my younger years, but I've come through so much, I continue to move forward, and uh, mainly because of gratitude that I've gained. But as a child in Lake Charles, Louisiana, uh, with a family of 12 siblings, uh, there was a lot going on in our home. Uh, our mom was there to really care for us. Our dad worked uh, hard to make things available to us that we needed on a daily basis. But even though we didn't always hear, I love you, it was demonstrated. And I still hold on to that. Now, I had an experience at the age of nine. I became nine in December and in January uh that was to follow my mom passed away so it was like i can picture things happening then where i didn't fully understand what was happening uh but i tell you from that time i valued everything about her that i could think of i always heard my aunts uh from my dad's side brag about her mom gave she volunteered she fed those who were homeless uh i won't use a word that they used to call the folks that lived right uh, at the end of the, our street under the highway, but those folks didn't have food all the time. Mom, I watched mom fed, feed them. She had us to make coffee and even invite those people in for coffee. Uh, and she just volunteered in the community. So I always reflect back on what she did and I, I just desire to do uh, similar, similar uh, things. And uh, one thing I learned about my childhood, I was quite an observer. I really just paid attention to things that were going on around me in the family. So it's not always what they said. It's, it's, I watched their behavior. And I actually pretty much was formed by not only what they said or even did it sometimes because I had, there were some, I would say, uh, it, they've sent or uh, allowed me to receive a message, uh, do as I say, but not as I do, you know, uh, because they weren't that uh, a great example of a great example to me. But I, I watched uh, all those around me, especially uh, older folks in my neighborhood. And uh, I was able to really think about all those things even after losing my mom and what would life be like now? Uh, so I started growing up uh, really. Uh, most of my older uh, siblings were, they had moved away. And also five of us left at home uh, when mom passed away. But we, we were grasping uh, for straws uh, uh, extras to get things done, understand what was happening now. Our dad really shied away from responsibility uh, at that time. So things happened that were not all so good. We had some struggles we faced financially and all. But you know what, through all those times, I began to learn and some things I decided to do on my own. And you know, I look back and wonder, how did I do this? Uh, but it was something I believe was a God-given gift for me to survive. And I believe that we all, through many struggles, we are actually survivors through so much that no one may ever know about. Uh, so, but, so what I've done is paid attention to what other people did. And I always wanted to, I learned to share. I learned from what was going on around me. I witnessed what people did. 
if I learned something throughout my life, for some reason, I have always wanted to share. I always collected resources and information on my job. I was a resource person. That wasn't my job title. As a manager, though, folks came to me at AT&T to make sure that if they had a question, I promised that if I didn't know it, know the answer, I'd find the answer. And so all those things happen throughout life, even in a school from elementary on up. I really reached out to even my school teachers to help me along the way when I didn't understand certain things. I believe it's so important that we uh, are inquisitive and ask questions when you don't know something. Uh, my life has been enhanced because of that. Uh, teachers took time with me staying after school to help me along the way. I wanted to be on the honor roll uh, like my nephews uh, that are just like uh, a year younger than me. Um, they I, they came to me one time at school in the eighth grade. Hey, did you make the honor roll? At that time, I didn't. So I said no. But after I left them, they don't recall that. I bring this story up every once in a while. But at, from that day on, I strive to be on the honor roll. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have much help to get uh, the work done uh, at, at my home. I think we were all struggling at that time. But my teachers helped me along the way. When I told them my desire, they worked with me. And so that's why, why I want to do the same thing. That's what I've done throughout my life. And I realized more after experiencing vision loss and hearing loss in 2002, when I was in the hospital for 89 days, it was quite a struggle. My life changed. Uh, so uh, I really thought it was all over for me. But then as I lay there at night, not, not being able to look at the TV that was on, I would, after a while, I turned it off because it was no, I felt there was no need to look at it uh, or hear it, even listen to it if I couldn't see it. We were, sometimes we can become so uh, conditioned in one way. You know, we uh, hold ourselves back from gaining uh, knowledge and experience because we don't understand right now. But I had to work through that. So I took those long nights laying there, not knowing what was going to happen next, uh, to think about what's going to happen next, really. I, and so every once in a while, even I, I battled like depression and all that at that time, I still would have this burst of energy coming up at times. When I get out of here, I'm going to start a club and meet with people that experience vision loss as adults like I, I have. And I want us to be able to share with one another and we can help each other along the way. I started the VIP membership club then, didn't know about ACB uh, or any blindness organization initially. I didn't know where to turn. Uh, I didn't have a screen reader, never knew about it or anything like that. So uh, I had to start where I, uh, where I knew I could. And it was gradual. Uh, sometimes it appeared to be slow. And my sister came to me one day and said, Ken, I just hate that you're not able to use your, your skills and abilities like you did before. I said, well, at this time, I don't know how to do it, how to move forward. Well, I started uh, Tuning in from the Commission for the Blind in Texas, uh, where I was submitted, uh, or, uh, the names of support groups and organizations were submitted to me. And so I decided to join these local groups that I could uh, benefit from. Uh, and I was very reluctant at first. I just didn't want to accept being blind. All I wanted was my sight back. You know, but after I realized I was on this roller coaster ride where church members wanted me to come to in the prayer line to, because they really believe I should get my sight back, uh, I did have, did that for a while. Uh, the roller coaster ride. I decided to you know I'm going to start moving forward. I'm going to find ways to do some things. I'm going to ask more questions about people around me. And when I learned about the screen reader and I could use my computer again, that was the key for me to begin my 
empowerment, personal empowerment, again, where I'd already, some things I'd already done, I began to do, and I've transferred so much over from my sighted life into my uh, blindness life, I would say, but at times I still uh, have struggles, you know, with uh, listening, hearing, I would say, with my one ear, but guess what, I, I actually really have, I would say I've conditioned my one ear to be like two, uh, and I really tune in. I tune in. I think this has given me a chance to tune into what's around me and really I try to gain all I can to help other people. That's my goal. I realized coming out of that hospital, going to our independent living center, noticing that there were people that needed support there. I began to be an advocate when I didn't even know it. I had been doing it, but I didn't realize it. And I, I came came to the uh, point where I realized this is what I'm supposed to do the rest of my days. I began to have a purpose and I felt like I needed a daily purpose to move forward each day. So I started doing whatever I could to help people. My VIP membership club thrived. Uh, what it turned out to be though, all those people weren't always there to help me. It turned out that I was a leader of the group and I had to find ways to help them because it didn't turn out like I thought it would, but I did gain some things from them when I witnessed them being grateful and expressed and their gratitude for just me having these meetings where uh, people had given money but them to be provided with transportation, meals at these meetings, and all types of benefits. And so once I noticed all of that that was working well, I began to do other things. So I started several organizations in my community until I decided to join ACB and uh, went to a Houston chapter meeting and became a member right away, was there for five years until I decided, hey, we're, we're having to find transportation to get to Houston. Let's start our own chapter. So I did that. I didn't plan it initially. I was going to become a member at large, but I was encouraged to go ahead and start a chapter. We did it. And now we're in our 13th year. We have uh, thrived, started with 16, and now we're in our 50s as far as the numbers. But in addition to that, I have I just want to share a few things with you. What I do on a daily basis and I've done for a while because I, I feel like I need to be empowered in order to empower people. Each day I begin with prayer and meditation. I actually see my day before it even occurs and what I need to be, uh, I prepare myself to make sure I communicate well. And at times, you know, being human, we don't always pass our, our the, the test of doing what we know we should do. But at the end of the day, I reflect and think about all of those things. And I find myself feeling like, oh, my tone didn't come, I didn't come out right that time when I said this or that. I need to go and apologize to him or her. And at times I've gone back and I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. But I still say it's best for, for me to think about that at the end of the day, I can hear my own voice of those I've spoken to and how our communication went. And I, I, I am given the opportunity to see whether there's something I need to improve in. And so another thing I, I do, I set aside some personal de development time. I have had in the past until I became very busy, I, I designated Wednesday as a personal development day. I have this document, I open up with notes that I want to reflect on, things that I really need to be reminded about, um, that I need, how I need to treat people. Am I uh, respecting them as I desire to be respected? I put some questions in that document that would remind me of uh, certain scriptures I, I, I like and I live by. I put in that document to remind me. I think we all need to go back uh, to the basics from time to time and review some things that we started out doing and see where we may have gotten off track. So I think my personal development time really does help me to, to continue to be prepared to do well myself, but also help others to move forward in that same way.
I wanted to kind of tell you some, uh, another thing I'd I really try to do, I created a list and I encourage everybody to consider this, create a list of some positive affirmations about yourself. I said, I, 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 I profess certain things in that document I review, uh, I, I have some statements in there, like I am confident, I am successful, I am powerful, I can do this, I will survive, I will overcome challenges, I will remain positive and have a positive outlook on life, I will be enthusiastic, I won't talk to people if I don't see I can be what I need to be by phone at times, I know it's maybe best for the call to go to voicemail, uh, and I'll, I'll rather respond after I know I'm really prepared for it, because some things take you to a different place in a day on a daily basis. You never know how things are going to affect you, but sometimes we have to back off and make sure we get ourselves prepared to communicate. And it's best to take that time to uh, deal with yourself personally, to be empowered. I feel like self motivation breeds self empowerment. We have to consider how can I build uh, myself. Uh, up to be what I need to be for other people on a daily basis. I feel like empowerment goes on through every communication I have. I wanted to share some things, just basically attributes that I feel that an empowered person has. And I believe that a person who is empowered, personally empowered is intentionally positive, positive and enthusiastic, strives to work well with others maintains self-awareness, takes control of emotions. Our emotions can take us on a roller coaster ride. So roller coaster ride. So it's so good to think about why am I feeling like I'm feeling? And it helps you through the day when you do that. Willingly adapt to change. Utilize all available senses. That's one thing I had to learn how to do uh, after experiencing vision loss and hearing loss. I have to use, utilize everything, every every part of my senses that I can uh, use to move forward in a positive way. Uh, feeling. Uh, sometimes you tune into what's being said and you really understand without seeing it what it might be. We have to accept, uh, you know, a challenge that we may face and move forward in a positive way by exuding confidence. It's so important that a personal, a person who is empowered really exudes confidence most of the time. And the last thing is acknowledges and respects cultural differences. We have to respect one another in order to work well together. I'd love to communicate further with you all at any time about empowerment. I live it every day. I must have it. And I look for uh, everyone to, uh, to to succeed at whatever they, their goal is. And I want to help in any way I can. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak to you today. We have two more presenters to bring to you who are every bit as wonderful as the ones that we've had. And I hope that we all take the list of empowerment tools that Kenneth gave us and adapt the ones that speak most to us and then bring in the others as we can. Um, I'm going to ask my friend and um, new chair of the Governmental Affairs Committee here at, at ACB and journalist Anthony Corona to come up. He is, um, as you all know, a member of BPI. He has his own empowerment decisions that he's made and tools to it. And I also asked him, because he is a journalist, to tell me what he recognized when when communicating with people of empowerment 
and how that made him want to listen and buy in and be engaged. But he also will share with you some of his own personal empowerment. So without any further ado, um, Anthony Corona. All right. Wow. To to speak after these incredible people is a little um, nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> I want to start with the phrase. I'm a very lucky person. Uh, I actually had a little bit of a different presentation planned, but life happens every moment that you're breathing. And I think my higher power has zigzagged me around the last couple of days so that I could stand up here and speak to what I want to speak to today. Um, most of you know, at least in this room, know my my journey. Um, and if you don't, you can find it on many episodes of Sunday Edition, courtesy of acmedia.org. Click podcast. But shout out to Rick. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to bore you with that, but I'm going to hit you with a couple of highlights. Um, I was born to a very, very big dysfunctional family in New York City. <laughs> But I was lucky because as dysfunctional as they were, they were big, they were loud, and they were fierce. We protected each other. I grew up with a mom who was what they call a functioning alcoholic. She started her day at 4.30 every morning. And by 4 o'clock in the afternoon when she was on her way home, she had one of those takeout cups filled with ice and wine. But still, I'm lucky My mother broke her back to make sure that we had food on the table, to make sure that I had books to read. She saw that I I crave knowledge. I thirst for it. So every time we went to the mall or Kmart, (laughs) and we spent a lot of time in Kmart and go to school in New York City and Kmart clothes, and you know what that's like. But um, to make sure that I had those books, that I could learn to play the violin, that I could learn to play the piano, and that I could play baseball which is a very expensive proposition when you're going through school. But my mother busted her butt to make sure that that could happen. I got to college and I got to play baseball all through high school, all through college. I was scouted by a minor league team. And then I had an accident on the field and blew out my knee. But still, I was lucky because I wanted to learn while I was at school. I didn't ride on baseball. I wanted to learn. I had a 3.85 GPA. And I met someone who said, you're, you're a journalist. You're, you're a human interest. You're a storyteller. You need to do this. And so I changed my focus and I became a journalist. I had an amazing father, one of the best men I have ever known. And at the age of 40, he developed throat cancer. Subsequently, he had a surgery that lasted 13 hours. They had to reconstruct his esophagus, his throat. And from that point forward, he spoke with what's called a vox. We jokingly in our family called him Robocop um, or Pop-Pop Robo once um, my nieces and nieces and nephews came along. But I was lucky because a year to the day of that 13-hour surgery, A week after his social security disability came through, my father went back to work. My father said, if I don't work, I'll die. And if I don't work, then I'm not showing my children and my grandchildren all the things that I preached to them growing up. (laughs) So I was very lucky to have an example like that. 
And then when I was 40, I, I don't know. Do you know the universe does some strange things? I lost my eyesight and it was sudden and it was, it was devastating. And the reason that I shifted, I'm sorry, but I'm still lucky. <laughs> and the reason that I shifted how I wanted to present today is because I realized um, Debbie mentioned BPI. Shout out to my BPI brothers and sisters and everyone out there in the cause. June is Pride Month. And although young, in my younger life, I was once viciously attacked for wanting and needing to love someone who is of the same sex, I'm still lucky because God, or whatever you call your higher power, put in me the need to love. The need to give love, as Debbie was speaking about before, the need to share love. And I realized over the last couple of days that I didn't come out once. I actually had to come out twice. I had to come out as a blind person. The first two or so years of, of my blindness journey, I pushed almost everyone away. I stopped using social media. The only time that I went out was for mobility lessons and, and, and JAWS lessons and all the things that you need to do to become a functioning and, and, and fully independent blind person. But I didn't want anyone to, and I'm doing air quotes, see me. I didn't want anyone to know. I, I felt weak. I felt emasculated. I, I, I was devastated. But a lot of things happened all at once. Uh, or not all at once, in the span of, of about six months, I got my guide dog, Bodhi, which is one of the best things that has ever happened to me. And at the last minute, I was able to attend an ACB convention. Y'all all know that story. I'm not going to go through the highlights of that, but here I am at this podium because of that. And so I'm lucky. I want to borrow some words from some great people. And the first words that I want to present to you, um, my screen reader calls him Socrates, an ancient Greek philosopher. Socrates, gentlemen. <laughs> but he, he um, spoke of the human is symbiotically both his very best friend and his staunchest enemy. And when I think about words like that, I think that's a, an indicator, a motivator of empowerment. We have the choice to be our own best friend or our advocate or our worst enemy, our punisher. We can punish ourselves. We can withdraw. We can let the horrific noise of the world make us feel small. Or we can look inside ourselves and say that every beat of that heart that's inside of us, that was given to us by the higher power, is a moment where we can do better for ourselves. Later, we can do better for our families and our friends. And later than that, we can do better for the world. But like they tell us on that airplane, if you don't put that mask on first, you can't help anybody else out. And so every moment that you take that breath or you feel that heartbeat, you have a choice to be your own best friend or to be your own worst enemy. Another great man, 
said to me over and over and over again through my life. And I got to admit, it wasn't until close to my blindness that I really, truly started to get the understanding of what these words really mean. My father taught my sister and myself that people, places, or situations can invite you to feel any which way. You and you alone choose whether to accept or decline those inv- those invitations. And on the surface of that, you can say to yourself, as I did a couple months ago when my mom passed away, well, what kind of an invitation is that really? How do I say no to grief? How do I say no to sadness? And then I realized maybe my dad kind of was coming to me and whispering in my ear. I realized I'm not saying no to grief. I'm not saying no to sadness. I'm saying no to those feelings, stopping me from feeling joy, accepting joy and giving joy to others. So I can choose to decline that invitation and I can choose to accept the invitation that's given to each and every one of us with each and every breath and heartbeat that we take. I can choose to accept life, the hard, the difficult, the times when I cried in bed, the times when I felt like I just can't go on. And then I can say, no, I've got breath. I've got a heartbeat. I've got Gabe Bodie and Posh. (laughs) So I can go on. I wanted to share those words with you and, and those and many others. I live by parables. You know, the book tells us that he spoke to us in parables. I love parables. I love little stories. And then I turn my feelings and emotions and my thoughts into stories to share with others. Without the heart, there can be no understanding between the hand and the mind. I like to think to myself that without reason and without choice, there can be no understanding between the thinking and the feeling. Our hearts, so to speak, want us to feel so many different things. And our brains sometimes war with the heart. They tell us, no, you're not good enough. No, you're not strong enough. Those thoughts can be racing. They can be so overwhelming. But it goes back to that personal choice. Do I want to feed those thoughts and give them, as my dad would call it, license to rent space in my head? Or do I want to look in the proverbial mirror in my mind and maybe remember when I was hot in a baseball uniform and wow, but um, I digress. Look in that proverbial mirror in my mind and say, no, you are strong. You are good enough. And you make people feel joy or you help people find education, et cetera, et cetera. So when those thoughts come, when those feelings are warring inside me, I, I retreat to that space in my mind. I remember my dad. I remember these words that I, these parables that I like to live by. So I personally feel that empowerment starts with every breath, every heartbeat, and every choice that we make. 
I'm not going to take too much more of your time this, this morning. Um, and I know that there's another speaker, but Debbie had asked me originally to speak about what I see and pe- what I saw in people and still do. My journalism is different. I, I freelance and write what I can when I can and spend a lot of time writing for ACB and FCB and I enjoy every moment of it. Um, but what I saw in people that I felt were empowered was confidence, was the want, there's probably a better word for it, but the want to share knowledge and happiness and love and the better things in life with the people around them. Some of them did it big and bold. I spent a week with Mariah Carey and I mean, she was quite a bit crazy. However, she does and did exude to me how much she wanted her music to be able to help people love themselves, love each other and love the world. When I interviewed people and they were engaging, when they leaned in, when they were passionate, when they were emphatic, that all exuded to me personal empowerment. Whatever cause we might have been talking about, it wasn't secondary, but I couldn't connect to their story or their or their um, cause if I didn't feel not only that they knew their material or, or they knew what they asked that they, they, they were talking about, but that they knew themselves, that they were sharing with me their thoughts, their emotions, and again, their choices and their desire to present alternate choices or better choices or just different choices to the world. So for me, that's what makes someone stand out. That's what makes someone who's telling their story worth listening to. Our leader of this panel, she has it in spades, whether she's talking about advocacy or, you know, tips on how I can transition my guide dog when we get a new one in the household. She fills it with joy and love and and happy and, and, and such confidence Kenneth, who spoke right before me, who is our J.P. Morgan Chase uh, chairperson, man, you can't get an email from him and not realize this guy has got it together. The way he speaks, the way he the way he writes, the way he wants everyone to have just as much information as they can possibly handle. And then he's waiting in the wings for when they're ready to handle some more. Pam Shaw, who's here, who, my God, just the voice. It doesn't sometimes it doesn't even matter the word. When she's speaking, the, the 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 sheer joy that's coming through, the the feeling that she wants each and every one of us to feel the joy that she's giving us, that's empowerment. Doesn't it give us a lot of power when we realize that we can choose? what we will do with things. Even if things hurt us, make us angry at first, we can put it in place and we can say, I'm still going to go on. I'm still going to do what it is I do. So I am thrilled and delighted to bring to you now our final speaker, Miss Pam Shaw, who is, who almost invented Joy, if you know what I'm trying to say, if you know what uh, you know what I'm trying to say, she in it. So without any further ado, here is Joy and Life Coach Person Pam Shaw to speak to you all. I asked Debbie 
if I could be the last speaker. And there was a method to my madness because I wanted to get up here and be able to say, as Cheryl said, and Cache reinforced, and Kenneth suggested, and Anthony brought to us, that's all I really wanted to be able to say. Part two is I'd like to acknowledge everyone on the panel because you have already delivered tonight's banquet speech. So now I've got to go back to the room <laughs> and figure out what to say. But it really is a privilege to be here. And I will be very, very brief because I think it's good to just be able to sum it all up. And I do it's interesting that they went there. I don't think they knew that the name of my coaching company is The Joy-Filled Life. And it's about living life in such a way that you are empowered. The J in joy is just be yourself. The O in joy is be good to others that has to do with forming good relationships. And the why means take care of you. Because one of the things I've noticed for many of us is that we are very good about taking care of others, but we don't do that great a job when it comes to taking care of ourselves. That's because many of us have been taught that you don't want to do that, but I would contend that that's exactly what you must do in order to be worthwhile to others. So we want to lead that joy-filled life, and I'm determined to do it and have others do the same. Let me give you the three kinds of things that I try to do each day. One is, is to center myself in what I call the empowerment zone. And what that has to do with is that the empowerment that I have starts internally. It starts with understanding, as Cache said, I told you I was going to say that, who when you want to be yourself. You want to be aligned with your own values. And so it, it's important to do it internally. But there's also an external side, too. And I had the occasion to be at a workshop to ask Tony Robbins a question. And I said, well, what do you do when there are people who, who just don't like you? They always have negative things to say to you and about you. And when they call you, the minute you hear their voice, you prove that you are a person of prayer. Because as soon as you hear their voice, what you find yourself saying is, oh, Lord. (laughs) And so there are some people just like that. He gave me a good piece of advice. He said, you know, stop hanging around people who do not empower you, who don't encourage you, who don't treat you with the respect that you deserve. So me being me had a couple of follow-up questions. And I said, well, suppose it's somebody you have to hang around. I said, I'll give an example. Maybe it's somebody in your church or your household of faith. What do you do? He said, stop hanging around people who do not honor you or respect you. So I said, okay, but suppose it's somebody you have to work with. He said, stop hanging around people who do not honor you or respect you. But then I had him. I knew I had him. I said, 
Suppose they are members of your family. And he said, stop hanging around people who not respect you and who do not honor you. And so I have become very intentional about the personal kinds of relationships that I am involved in. I love everybody, but everybody is not in my friendship circle. I have a lot of acquaintances, but very few friends because friendship to me means the ability to be totally transparent, to be confidential, and to know that if I have to share something, even in my worst moment, I don't have to worry about hearing it again. I can always tell my friends because I don't have to say in conversation to them, don't tell anybody. They seem to know what needs to be kept secret and what's personal because they are part of my personal empowerment zone. I'm so glad we're taking up this topic this morning because we live in a world that tries to tell all of us that we're powerless. They'll tell us we're powerless at the polls. We just have to accept how things turn out. They say we're powerless when it comes to our finances. We're just going to have to take what's given to us. They tell us that we are even powerless when it comes to how we live our lives as people who are blind and those who have visual impairment. But I believe that the real key to empowerment is taking your power back and holding on to it and not giving it up to anybody. Because once you do that, you're going to fall through the cracks in your life, that destiny that's ahead for you, you're going to miss it. So to me, powerful and empowerment is internal. It has respect for understanding of the external and the relationships. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, empowerment is who you say you are about you. Thank you for minutes to share and we'll see you tonight. Thank you. I just want to tell you something. I want to tell you a little anecdote. No, no, no. I won't tell that one. What I want to tell you is sometimes you have to go to God and you have to say, is it me? Sometimes a few times in recent history, I've had some people be yell at me, accuse me of things I didn't do. And it's been and I think, what is the matter with me, God? What do I do that sets people off? I and and sometimes it's the simplest thing. And I prayed about it and I because I was angry and I was hurt. I can't deny that to you all. But two things I did, and and we need verification of stuff. First thing I said, I still have to be myself, and I'm not going to stop doing what I do. I may have to do it in a different way, but I'm going to still do what I do. But I'm not going to stay in the toxic zone. And the other thing is, and this is so important, we choose what we do. And among that is choose joy. And I just want to say to you, joy doesn't mean my life is perfect. Everything is happy. I don't have one thing I would change. And I'm just full of glee. 
Joy is a state of mind in which we say, I am unique. I am me. God made me for a specific purpose. I join with everyone else and I am a part of a team, a part of this wonderful, diverse family. But I am still me and I am still unique. And so I know like Pam and Anthony and everybody here, I have a very definite personality. And sometimes when I speak, I've since I got in trouble a few times, I'll say, you know, this is just my opinion. It's not an order. <laughs> but but what, what I found is I can still be joyful when things are hard. I can still use my gifts and I can still be positive. So the main thing I want to say is don't let a circumstance or a loss of temper or an unjust, you know, somebody being short with you. Don't let that define you. Deal with the hurt, put it to bed and move on because we choose who we are. Circumstances don't. What other people think, what other people say about us don't. We do. And that's what all of these phenomenal speakers that I chose. I'm so proud of myself. Um, (laughs) I mean it. Um, So it's it's just a wonderful thing. Hey, uh, this is Shanine. And I just wanted to say thank you all for your empowering words this morning. Thank you, Janine. That's it. Thank you. And you certainly live live an empowered life. You're on a good journey, and we appreciate your compliment. Okay, another question or comment before we move to the Zoom people? Uh, Hello, Debbie. It's Dan. And both Cheryl and Kenneth talked about a a mentoring program. And I was wondering, for those who wouldn't know about the details here today, if they could share a little bit about their MAPS mentoring program they're working so hard to put together. Good. Let's do that. New okay. Let's let Kenneth talk for a minute. And then if Pam or Cachet has anything to say, Kenneth is the creator of this idea and runs the call. So take it away, Kenneth. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have a program that we're working on. It's called Mentorship, Access, and Peer Support. And we uh, use acronyms MAPS, M-A-P-S. And so when you hear about MAPS, you'll know we're talking about this program. Within this program, we have some uh, guidelines on say with components one of them is in another acronym g-u-i-d-e guide and that stands for guidance the g stands for guidance the u stands for understanding the i stands for intervention the d stands for direction and the e stands for empowerment we've defined those and we have we are working to build a program that breaks it all down. Uh, and so we've come up with a whole lot. Beyond that, we have, uh, I, I don't have it ready at this time, but we have a, an objective for what we're trying to do. We really want to empower people uh, within ACB, our members to join in and identify uh, places within our uh, service areas they may be able to join in and serve. Uh, also, some may want to get with a mentor to assist them in developing leadership skills in order to be able to serve in the future. But it's going to help them personally uh, and professionally. This program will be uh, just an, a highlight to help people to move forward within ACB, whether it be through their chapter, state or special interest affiliate, or even on a, communi- a committee they may be serving on. So uh, Cheryl, do you want to share a few comments? Um, other than to say, just to reinforce what, what you said, Kenneth, I mean, it's something that we're hoping will be um, used by 
people who are interested in getting uh, some leadership skills and people who want to take on a leadership role within ACB. And I suppose the last thing I'll say is similar to this sort of idea of empowerment um, to participate in this, we are leaving it up to, to you, the individual to decide whether you would like to join, you know, apply to be a mentee or if you would like to take on role of a mentor. I'm, I want to thank all of the panelists. I, I am so proud of them. And I do think that this is such a worthwhile program. And it, I needed it as much as anybody here. You know, you all heard enough from me last night, but I, <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't let it go. Um, I have been to a lot of FCB programs and a lot of ACB programs, and I have never, ever been more moved or more enlightened or enriched by any program as I have by this one. And the individual that put this program together and the individuals that were chosen to tell their stories and share their views on empowerment could not have been better picked or done a better job. And I just wanted to say thank you very much for your job. That was way, way, way over the top. Thanks to everybody. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, if there are no further questions, I'm going to ask ever any of our panelists if you have one final word to say in like three seconds, and then we will let you go on break and then be prepare for the concurrent workshops. Any panelists want to say a little word? Say a word, Pam. Oh, a word, Pam. Get a. <laughs> I know. Get over here. <laughs> there you okay, go. Thank you. Okay. I really do try to follow directions. Uh, <laughs> since our question was about mentoring, I really do want to say this. Wherever you are on your journey, find a mentor. The, the reason for that is because mentors have a way of helping you with direction and frankly they can save you some time, some stress, and in some cases, believe it or not, even some money. So it's worth it to do that. I have a mentor almost in everything I do, and I have found it an invaluable resource. So again, thanks to Debbie and Sheila and everybody else. And like I said, I'll see you later on today. Thank you. Debbie. Blessings to you all. Thank you for coming. And let's continue our journey and make it an even better one in the empowered life in our own way, our own time, in our own uniqueness. But let us reach out and join this family so that then we can even begin to love one another more, recognize and appreciate each other's diversity even more, and even more together strive for true equality of opportunity. Blessings and thank you again.
All right. Good morning once again, FCB and ACB. Um, welcome to this session, which is entitled Electric Youth. And how did I get on that panel? <laughs> Forever young. There you go. <laughs> I want to thank um, Travis Butler for being our host this morning. Thank you, Travis. And I get to give the door prize $25 cash, again from HCB, Halifax Council, goes to Darrow Lukes. So um, I'd like to introduce the facilitator of this session, Anthony Corona. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the energy. Thank you to everybody out there who might be listening on ACB Media and everybody who's out there on the Zoom. So it's Electric Youth. Um, and I chose to, to title it uh, Stealing from Debbie Gibson. And one of the lyrics of, of the song is the future only belongs to the future itself. And so when we think about, you know, the nonprofits and, and the world of nonprofit, a lot of us are all having the same let's call it issue um getting our younger community involved and keeping them in and so we wanted to put together a panel of ways that we can engage younger members i've got some really really great panelists including cindy hollis our membership service uh, member services coordinator did i get that right cindy it's manager of membership engagement. Manager of membership engagement. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Sheila Young, our president. Gabriel lopez Um, We also have Terry Suarez and Peggy Carpenter from the Calm chapter. And we'll be hearing from Next Generation and ACB students. The focus of this panel today is how can we, as members of FCB, and hopefully for those of you who are listening from around the country, will be inspired. How can we, as ACB members identify, engage, empower, and retain our younger community. And so, you know, we talk a lot about mentorship and we talk a lot about leadership, but sometimes, you know, our younger generation isn't really looking to be the next secretary of FCB or the next president of Blind Pride International. Maybe they want to do something with guide dogs or with their local chapter, but they're, they're not really looking for, for that at this point, but they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of energy. They have a lot of drive. And so how do we get them to come be part of this huge, supportive, wonderful family that we are? And it's by meeting them where they are. It's by identifying that what works and, and is wonderful for us might need to be tweaked or even completely put to a bilateral kind of presentation. We need to give them the space and the opportunity to tell us and show us and build for themselves what they want out of their local chapters, their state affiliates, their special interest affiliates. So we broke it up into ways um, into pieces of conversation. And then we're going to open it up to brainstorming to everybody that's here and on the Zoom. Um, Sheila Young is going to come up next and she's going to talk a little bit about su succession planning and you know the importance of recognizing ideas that are new and fresh and blending them from 
what we know and what we're used to and what we love and how we can, you know, symbiotically have both. So Sheila, please come to the podium. Thank you, Anthony. As I said, when he asked me to be on this panel, I just kind of laughed. Um, you know, I've been in this organization 18 years and and, you know, I was one of those people that came down here from, to Florida as an older person. I was 50, 51, something like that. Anyway, um, and I had lots of energy. I had done a lot of volunteer stuff. I had finally found an ACB facility. Uh, affiliate to join in Mississippi when I moved down to Florida. So I, first thing I did was try to find the ACB affiliate in Orlando because I looked online and there was no Orlando chapter So because it was called Mid-Florida Council of the Blind at the time. So, um, you know, and I wanted to do something. I just had to do something. So I started talking to people and learning about the chapter, learning more about FCB, learning more about the relationship between ACB, FCB, and Mid-Florida at that time. And there was a lot to learn. You cannot expect people to join your affiliate and throw them into an office. There's too much to learn about the process, about the planning, about programming, about, about procedures to just say, okay, I need you to do this. I want you to be secretary because Lord only knows what their minutes are going to look like. <laughs> you know, come on, let's be real. You've got to teach them. And as a new person, you've got to ask questions. You've got to figure out how things are done. Just because you want to do it doesn't necessarily mean it's according to their bylaws and constitution or their policy. You've got to learn. And the only way to learn is to ask questions. The only stupid question is what, Gabriel? The one you don't ask. <laughs> so I just, you know, I'm not going to take much time because all of you know I don't talk long unless I'm sitting around just talking with you. Um, but remember, engage them, get them interested in something, learn them, figure out what they're good at, figure out what they want to do, give them a phone tree to call, give them a, a committee to be on if somebody's interested in uh, publications and publicity, like writing for different organizations such as Anthony, you put them on that committee and let them learn how the committee goes. Then they learn about FCB. Then they learn about ACB. So you've got to educate them. It's baby steps. You've got to take the baby steps and not the giant step. So <clears throat> about three years ago, I was at a leadership seminar up in DC and I went to a program and I heard something that has stuck with me. It's went through a couple of different iterations. Um, three E's, 
A couple of months later, the pandemic was in full swing and the community was born and the three E's turned into so much more. So we wanted Cindy Hollis to come and talk to us about ways of engagement, um, a little bit more geared towards meeting our younger folks where they are and, and some out of the box ideas and how she, I mean, if you've ever heard Cindy and every one of us has, you know, it comes full of infectious. And if you were listening to the last panel full of joy. So Cindy, please come on up. Well, good morning, everybody. And I am going to take you from the path I believe we go on when we bring any new people into our organization and young people aren't any different is from connection to commitment. And I do believe that embrace, engage, empower, which are the three words that Anthony's referring to. I've spoken about it many, many times, and I still believe those are the elements that is the recipe, even for young people, to bring them into our organization. When they join us, we make them feel welcome. It's part of our community philosophy as well. So that's the embrace. We get to know them. We thank them for coming. We find out their contact information. We reach out to them. We have follow through, right? Engagement. We find out their interests, as Sheila spoke about. We allow them to share their ideas. We give them that platform. We give them room to grow. There is nothing worse than having somebody be excited about an idea and they share it and somebody in the room goes, that won't work. We've tried that before. And we slap them right in the face. And why are they going to even want to come back and share again? So instead of we've tried that before, instead of that won't work, how about saying, tell us more and asking questions, and maybe bringing alongside a more seasoned member alongside that person to help them along in your process, in your chapter, or your state affiliate. Uh, that is the engagement part. That is allowing someone to grow in your organization. That is allowing someone to feel valued in your organization. And again, I know we're talking about young people, but it is for all of our members, not just for young people. Sheila shared when she joined the organization, I joined my affiliate in Washington State, not DC, the good Washington. <laughs> I joined when I was 23 years old and I was pregnant with my eldest daughter, who is now 36. You can do the math. <laughs> uh, but I was one of those younger members that you all would love to have join your affiliate. And I was kind of thrown into some leadership. Did I do well in the beginning? I can tell you no. <laughs> I've learned as I've gone, lots of grace offered to me. And I think that that is one of the things we need to remember. Not everybody comes in. There's no manual that's built in for everybody's different. And so we've got to meet people where they are at, offer grace and support We've seen it a lot in our community. People are learning and doing things they never dreamt 
they would do. And they're doing it now. They're facilitating calls. They're teaching things that they love to do and they never thought they would teach it. They're learning hosting community calls on Zoom when they barely learn JAWS or their Mac. So when we empower people to do more, they're going to keep on doing more. And the more they do, the more they will be committed to our organization. So my final thoughts on this, and I am always happy to answer questions later if there's time, is to remember that <laughs> it's to remember that <laughs> thanks you guys yeah yeah remember that I said grace grace yeah uh, <laughs> and grace with humor it's, it's always good to laugh right uh, but remember embrace engage empower we want to celebrate individuals and their gifts and and meet them where they're at and as we do, they will end up being committed to the organization. And sometimes they'll have to step away for a little while. Sometimes commitment does not happen right away. But that's where we need to offer grace. You know, things happen in people's lives. They're going to school. They get a new job. They just moved somewhere. They are getting married. They're dating someone. Who knows, right? But so meet them where they are. Welcome them in and and offer them that room to grow anyway thank you so much for having me i'm enjoying this so much as selling points when we are doing the outreach could you give us a couple of the popular for our Absolutely. younger members community yep. events oh yeah sure thank you i always love to talk about community so you know we started community two years ago with two they weren't even zoom calls um two calls in one week. This next week, we have scheduled 102 calls. And we, in in May of 2020, we held 160 calls. And in May of 2022, we held 429. So, um, so some of the calls, and we have people of all ages in our community that are very active from karaoke and it's playtime, which was last night, karaoke's tonight, to learning languages, socials, peer support calls like um, grief journey, blindness, and more. Uh, uh, what do you guys call your divorce chat now, uh, Sheila? Moving on after divorce, widows and widowers. So those are some of our peer support calls, and I'm missing some, I'm sure. We have uh, calls around health and wellness. So we have lots of yoga, resistance, uh, and cardio. Leslie does those calls Monday through Friday. We have a mental health call on Monday nights, and there's new calls coming up around some of this as well. Uh, we have a new lady that's doing um, exercise and someone else that's bringing on uh, calls around 
um, mental health. So, um, and then languages, people are teaching and learning languages, Latin, French, and Spanish currently. We have someone teaching the guitar. And then there are calls that are spiritual and or around faith. So, and, and so many more that I'm not mentioning. But all of these calls are for people of all ages. When we started, our first couple of hosts that we engaged were ages 22 and 23. So, um, you know, you can't be afraid to ask people if they would like to help and you find where they fit in. And if they don't fit in there, you find another spot for them to fit in. Anybody that's not receiving our daily schedule for our community events, drop an email to community at acb.org and we will get you signed up. Or if you have any questions around membership or around the community, you can certainly email me there. Again, community at acb.org. And for those that don't use a computer, you can also call and listen to the daily schedule by calling 800-424-8666 and follow the prompts. So thanks, Anthony, for allowing me to talk a little bit about the community that so many of us are so passionate about. Thanks. Thank you, Cindy. And let me let me just say we're going to be hearing from next gen and students in a little while, and we'll be you know brainstorming after that with some ways to engage. But something that I've done, and I hope others around the country are doing, whenever I meet somebody and I'm talking about ECB, I always keep my weekly schedule in my email, and I pull out my phone and I just start scrolling through, and I show people the calls. Maybe if you're doing a formal presentation, you can have it printed out in large print or just an example of it. It doesn't have to be that week's schedule, but in large print and braille, if folks, you know, once you show them how much is going on, they're immediately asking questions. On a Wednesday. <laughs> on a Wednesday that's, uh, that we're having a recipe swap, right? Sheila? <laughs> so I'm going to ask Gabriel Lopez Cafati to come to the podium next. He's really, really good at engaging and, and, and shepherding folks into our little family here. Um, But the focus of what he's going to speak about is youth organizations, high schools, and colleges, and how we can go in, make some presentations, or maybe even just have a table at a fair, et cetera, et cetera. But how, you know, we need to go to them. They know we're here, or a lot of times they don't know we're here, but they know we're here and they think, you know, oh, it's this community and how am I ever going to fit in? Or, you know, they all know each other. They've been there for, you know, we're at 62 years. So, um, Gabriel, please come on up. Hello. Good morning, everyone. So, uh, um, my name is Gabriel Lopez Cafati, and um, I think Anthony thought that I should be in this panel because I am, as you heard yesterday, the chair of the Education Leadership and Scholarships Committee, uh, but also because I work as an academic advisor at the Disability Service Offices for uh, Miami-Dade College, which is the second largest uh, higher education institution in the United States. So I'm going to start off with a a little example. I work with different disabilities, not just uh, visual impairment. I was working with um, a group of different disabilities, and um, we were watching uh, 
old I was I was wanting to share with uh, some of my students like old uh, funny movies or sitcoms that I used to enjoy. Um, one of my favorite, The Golden Girls, <laughs> and um, one of one of the girls, twenty early twenties, tells me, "Could you put on the uh, the the closed captioning?" And I said, "Pardon my asking, but you're not." hard of hearing. Uh, why do you want the closed captioning? Turns out she tells me that she's so used to reading that she doesn't even pay attention to what the people are saying. I was like, I cannot believe what you just said, because, you know, it's not about just the words. It's about the inflictions and how they say things. But That that was a teaching moment for me because it, that is how younger generations are interacting. They're most of the time on their phones. Uh, if they're learning something new, it is through TikTok. Uh, if they want to share something, it is through Instagram. Uh, even Facebook is passe. So um, the the way in which I have learned to adjust my communication style when we're talking about younger generations is first of all, forget everything you have learned <laughs> and be open, be open and um, use one of my favorite core value of the American council of the blind, which is flexibility. Be flexible to adjust your knowledge so that it can fit the interest of the younger generation. Another thing that I've noticed, and uh, Sheila and I brainstorm, we have cried and suffered and laughed over this, and my amazing um, Education Leadership and Scholarships Committee, um, they're all amazing. Uh, we all bring a little different perspective to the table. But one of the things that we find is the majority of our scholarship recipients, they come here They partake in our banquet, they cash their check, and we never hear back from them. Um, one thing that we have done also, you at some point, you also have to be a little bit, um, you know, give and take. It's not just, you know, here's your check and that's it. We have incorporated uh, as part of the requirements of our new scholarship recipients that in their essay, they write how do they see their involvement within the Florida Council of the Blind moving forward? We're instituting a program which uh, Leslie Spoon is collaborating greatly with me in reaching out to past recipients. We are working with the local chapters to make sure, make sure that once our scholarship recipients go back to their communities, they have someone to connect with. And, um, a perfect moment to transition and segue. Now we have uh, Calm, which we have Peggy and Terry here with us, uh, because we've noticed that also some of our younger members, some of our scholarship recipients are telling us that when they go to their chapters, they're not interested in participating because they don't want to go to a Danny's restaurant at 4.30 on a Monday afternoon. But then again, we cannot change the tradition that means something for members who have been doing that for 20, 25 years. And it's not fair to change that. But 
The good thing, again, flexibility, is that we have the option and the alternative. And this is where empowerment comes to comes into play as well. Okay, you don't want to meet at 4.30 at a, at a Denny's. What do you want to do? Do you want to go to an audio described movie? Um, okay, so this is what we're going to do. I'll coach you. I'll mentor you. But you put it together. You write the blurb. You put out the communication. You organize it. You call the movie theater. Let them know how many blind people are coming, how many uh, devices we're going to need. And you make it happen. So we walk them, we walk them through the process and we hold their hand. And that way we start not, not only expanding our offering, but also we start becoming a chapter or a group that caters to the different needs and wants and expectations of our members. And that way we in turn will increase our diversity and uh, grow our group. It, it, only good things can come out of that. So that's why I mentioned Calm because I know Calm is a fresh new chapter and it has a very unique personality. And I know we will, we will hear from them, right, Anthony? Yeah. We'll hear from Peggy and Terry. Um, and uh, also, uh, whoever's joining us from ACB students, I think it may be Aaron Espinosa. Uh, I'm also happy to tell everyone and announce that as of last year, part of the scholarship of the FCB scholarship packet includes one year, their first year membership to ACB students, courtesy of the Florida Council of the Blind. Before you go, can you tell folks as an administrator slash advisor when organizations come in and want to make presentations to engage, to bring folks in, what's a good way to approach high schools and colleges to do that as a local chapter? Okay, the way I, well, this is this is going to be a little bit selfish and probably it's not going to work for everyone, but the way I engage when, whenever I have a group of uh, transition students uh, from high school, the way I engage them is through Posh, my dog. <laughs> but I know not everyone has a dog. I think a great way to engage students is through technology because they are so... Um, connected with technology. They grew up with technology. So it's not about teaching them anything new because probably they know everything already. It's about showing them that we are not as young as they are, but we also partake in technology and technology is also part of our world and that we are able to provide them the platform so that they can use the technology and expand their technology. The other way in which we engage them is also by, you know, once it comes to academic or higher education, we know that if a student is already setting foot on a higher education institution is because they're going to study. So we do not focus on, okay, we're going to show you our school of business. We're going to show you our school of arts and entertainment. No, what we do is uh, let me show you our student life center. Let me show you the arcades room. Um, this is where you can socialize and hang out. This is um, the cafeteria on Fridays. We serve, you know, burgers, and fries complimentary, you know, so show them the extracurricular, show them what is 
something that will catch their interest and that is going to be fun, exciting, and that is going to get them fired up because they know that they're there to study, but they're also there to network, make friends and have fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And expanding on that idea, you know, we all have folks in our chapters who hate their technology, <laughs> right? So when you engage with, with the younger members, you can pair folks up. Ideas will start to flow and that's part of the empower. One thing that a lot of chapters and affiliates struggle with is their outreach. So who better to put on the social media than our younger folks Gabe mentioned Calm, and I am so very pleased that Calm has decided here in Florida that they're going to institute a mentoring program within Calm that will eventually blossom into an arm of Calm that is completely run and and you know facilitated by the younger members that we identify over the next few months and years themselves. There'll be an autonomous piece. But they'll always have that calm umbrella to to stand under and to, you know, be sheltered by and also to be empowered by. And when the sun comes out, they'll fold up that umbrella and, you know, get out there in the sun and play some volleyball or whatever. B-ball? B-ball? Anyway, I would like to ask Peggy and Terry to come on up. I'm not sure how they're going to tag team it, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So come on up. Hi, everybody. I'm Peggy Carpenter, and I'm the vice president of this COM that Anthony and others have been talking about. And for those of you who don't know, that stands for a chapter of at-large members of the Florida Council of the Blind. And we determined Florida is a pretty big state and that there's affiliates in some areas, but there's a whole lot of space in between where there aren't affiliates that are convenient for people. So we formed COM to be a virtual chapter that can meet people's needs, uh, you know, in a virtual way so that they don't have to worry about transportation and going to Denny's at 430. <laughs> so we have uh, calls at uh, over the Zoom platform. So that was the basis of Calm, and I think that one of the things that we're going to try to do is to engage with younger folks. And Terry has come up with an idea for a mentoring group that we're all very supportive of. And I think one of the key things is we're going to try to reach out to people and say to them, you know, not what we can do for you, but what do you want from us? What would be helpful to you from an organization like this? And Terry will talk about it. Thank you, Peggy, for all you do for us. And I'm super excited to stand in front of you. My name is Terry Suarez. I am honored to be the president of COM, Florida Council of the Blind. And we are proud to announce that starting today, we will have a development team that if you would like to be a part of, you email us at C-A-L-M-F-C-B at gmail.com and it will be called the Young Visionaries because what a better way to teach everyone that losing your sight doesn't mean you lose your vision of life. 
And we all have our personal stories, and I am honored to share mine with you. But this is not the time to talk about my story. It's our turn to get others on to their journey and unite and empower them. I liked what Cindy said. And my one of my favorite things is, is you don't know what someone can do till you give them the opportunity to shine. And I've only lost my sight four years ago suddenly. And in my journey, I have made amazing people that have come into my life that say, here's your time to shine. Here's your time to shine. And thanks to Annalie Rose, who unfortunately has earned her wings last year, but I honored, we honored her last night with the award. And we also announced that Calm is going to embrace the start of the Annalie Rose Braille Challenge, just like there's the National Braille Challenge. And this is going to continue forward beyond the college years, beyond the high school years. So students will be able to really take that on of organization. And what would that look so good on someone's employment and confidence that, yes, I know how to get sponsors. Yes, I've organized events. I know how to get people excited and inject them with the energy to get things done. And that's what we're looking forward to come. And the only way we can do it is by having people that have been involved, such as Cindy and Sheila and Anthony and everyone who's been on their journey. I tell everybody I have two ages. I have my physical body age, which I'm very proud to say I made 50. And um, my sight age, I'm only four. And if you knew me, I'm a healthcare provider. So suddenly losing your sight and not being able to be where I was at the age of 46, that's been the biggest challenge for me. And I love the opportunity of thinking it as a butterfly that I'm going through a metamorphosis, but I'm only four. So forgive me. I don't get everything right. Um, I love to talk. So I have to be careful because there's some amazing other people that we want to get going and young visionaries of calm. Please come tell us what you have done, what you would like to do. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on fcb.org. And also we appreciate everybody. And thank you so much. And Come over to Calm. We have a table in the exhibit hall and let us know what we can do to make sure we foster voices, choices, and community. I heard that at my first convention with American Council of the Blind, and I just love it, fostering choices, voices, and community. And our community is our membership, and we need to learn on how to invest and inject the energy into our youth. Thank you. Yes, let's uh, not forget uh, the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. I can't get started. <laughs> yeah. So for, for our Florida folks here, I'm at the president's membership engagement, secretaries. I strongly, strongly urge you to call, you know, reach out, email, partner with the Calm Chapter when you're doing outreach for our younger generation. It's going to be a great partnership. And just because 
they may come into calm. That doesn't mean that they won't be interested in your local chapter as long as you're interested in having them there. So in my in our Zoom room, I am hoping that we have Aaron and Amanda or or representatives from students and next gen. Um, let's take students first since our scholarship winners, and I hope the two of them are here today. They get an automatic year membership within students. And I want um, we wanted the them to have the opportunity to talk about their affiliate because that's an amazing I come from the corporate journalism world marketing so I'm calling it a selling point being able to talk up a little bit about the national networking that these younger folks can do through students and next generation is also an invaluable selling tool so do we have Aaron or someone from students Rick after Greg is done, we're going to open it up to hear from you on the floor and from Zoom if you have some ideas, some brainstorming on how you guys are engaging or want to engage our younger members. And Mr. Greg Lindberg. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here to represent uh, ACB Next Generation. Uh, so I'm the secretary and also publications chair of Next Gen, and it's just been an amazing experience and opportunity uh, to be involved in such a great organization. And uh, so I, I came to ACB in my 20s, kind of like Cindy, and uh, had thought about leaving, you know, when I realized a lot of people could be my parents, grandparents, if not great grandparents. <laughs> and uh, so a few years later, to be able to attend an ACB convention and find out about ACB students. And then a couple years after that, when Next Gen uh, started forming, um, it was just so, so encouraging to see so many people of my generation and people I could really relate to uh, within ACB. Um, so I just wanted to mention two points. I know it's it's been brought up about, you know, bringing younger people into the organization, engaging them. And that's something we definitely strive to do all the time in NextGen, uh, giving individuals, you know, jobs, whether it's managing our Facebook pages or our NextGen lounge, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, our clubhouse uh, club. Um, you know, again, engaging these members in helping them develop skills uh, and finding finding ways that uh, you know will interest them in, in doing things that they enjoy or maybe want to learn more about and then as far as the social aspect i know that's also been discussed a lot this morning um giving people opportunities you know whether it's on zoom whether it's a clubhouse you know opening a room on clubhouse um our next gen messenger lounge group you know, again, the relatability, finding ways to allow people of a certain generation, of a certain age, to be able to socialize and make those connections um, is so valuable. So that's really our goal within NextGen. Thank you. Good morning. This is Doug Hall. Hey, Doug. Um, when I first joined FCB, I was one of the youngest members. Um, I was my, I was recruited by Carl McCoy and I was mentored by people like W.A. Utes and Bill Farrell and a lot of the old guard that we had here. I was one of the young members. And, you know, the way I got started was that they expected me to get involved. Um, I, I think when I first joined, I was put on the bylaws committee, which I've been on for a long time. <laughs> um, but. I was one of the young members. Now I'm one of the old members, <laughs> but not that. And, and, and it, you know, talking about, you know, different ages, 
there's chronological chronological age, but then there's also mental age. Um, I feel that a lot of us veterans have a lot of ideas that we can share with a lot of younger members. The important thing is we have to we have to give people the opportunity to do things and expect them to do things. Um, I know one of the things that Halifax does, and I hope other chapters do too, is that we give an automatic one-year membership to any recipient who receives a scholarship from our area. And we expect that person to become involved in the chapter doing things. And it's worked out really well that way. So I, I really suggest that what we need to do to get younger members to get them involved and get them busy doing things that make them feel like they're actually accomplishing something. That's a really great point, Doug. And I want to just focus um, that thought process just a slightly bit broader. Get them involved, get them engaged. But when they comes when they come to the chapter with an idea that isn't something that we're used to doing, hey, let's open up a clubhouse room and do this, or let's, you know, we have to we have to empower them to to like Gabriel was saying, okay, you set up these events, let's I'll help you promote it. How are we going to do this? Come up with the outline, but we have to we have to think outside of our proverbial boxes because their boxes are a lot brighter. <laughs> um, they're multicolored they are varied you know and i think sometimes we get into our lane and our lane is really easy to to ride on there's not a lot of bumps and when there are bumps there's so many of us to to help and catch each other but we forget that you know their roads are, are different and so just please always remember to be open enough to let them try their ideas and let them fail because we learn so much from failing as much as we learn, maybe, maybe more. I really think more actually that we learn from our failures than we do from our successes. Yeah. So I'm Virginia from the Halifax Council in Daytona Beach. My concern is keeping members, how to keep them once they join. Well, keeping members is by letting them feel that they're, that they belong that they're part of us, that ideas that might be outside of the box for us are okay because we want to help them. We want to help them shine. We want to help them make those ideas blossom from ideas into realities. It's by, like Doug said, pairing up with someone, you know, whether it be, you know, changing the, the focus of it instead of I'm going to put you with this person because they're so experienced. Hey, you have, you have this technology experience and I have this person who's really struggling with with their iPhone or their tablet or whatever it be, you know, and turning the onus back, bring your, you know, your expertise, because from the day we start learning, talking, reading, you know, hearing, we're building experience. And that experience is different from when, you know, when I was two walking around, it's different from when Cindy or Sheila was two walking around. And it's different from when Janine or Greg or our newest scholarship members. So we all have experience. And as long as we, we keep engaging and we keep letting them know that your value, you, you're part of us, it's family. So that's my answer to that. Thank you all so much for coming to Electric Youth today. And I really hope that this inspires you to move forward and, and bring those younger members of our community to the family that is FCB and ACB. Have a great rest of your convention, everyone. I'd like to welcome everybody to our annual Florida Council of the Blind Technology Committee meeting and program. And this year, we are here to discuss 
a subject that was briefly discussed if you were here in the same room during the last presentation regarding the platform called Clubhouse. So to give you a brief introduction of exactly what Clubhouse is, Clubhouse is a social media audio platform that can be used on various methods, such as your smartphone, on both iOS for those who use Apple devices, iPads, and Android devices. There's also a version out there for your Windows machine called Club Deck, which is actually a third party, but is integrated into the uh, Clubhouse community. So to give you just a little overview of what Clubhouse and how it works is it is a platform where people can go on and either listen, join, or create rooms or clubs on a variety of different conversations. And you will find anything and everything available on Clubhouse at any given time, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And we are here today and joined and very honored to have Miss Cindy Hollis, Miss ACB extraordinaire herself, who I've asked to come and speak for a little bit on Clubhouse and how she uses Clubhouse with ACB. So, Cindy? Oh, you guys aren't done with me. All right. Hello again. So, a little over a year ago, I was asked to join Clubhouse. I did not want to, just letting you know. And when Eric, my boss, <clears throat> said, yes, I want you to, you need to, I did. <laughs> and I am so glad I did. Um, not only has it been beneficial for ACB, and I've observed it be beneficial for other affiliates, but I've also made some amazing friendships through Clubhouse. So how has Clubhouse worked for us? Well, when we first started our club as an ACB club in Clubhouse, we weren't sure what we were gonna do with it. And quite frankly, we haven't done everything we will do with it yet because you need to have resources to be able to manage and maintain your presence there, depending on the size. But we started with a morning call and actually Belinda and I started doing that. Belinda Collins, who's here at the FCB convention as well, was working as an intern with me uh, and helping me out with the community. And I said, let's just start going over the daily schedule and see what, what kind of response we receive. So that was in the middle of March of 2021. It was her and I doing it. And we got a great response. We would go over the daily schedule and then people started wanting to come up on stage and talking about the things they wanted to do. And so we did that. And then in October of 2021 and by then Colby was on staff with us and I um, and so it was the three of us working clubhouse each morning seven days a week I decided why don't we branch out and since all of the events we do are on zoom 
It makes sense that we do this for our Zoom folks as well. So we connect Clubhouse with Zoom every single morning and have been doing that since October 17th. And we use a, a little mini mixer called the Zoom PodTrack, PodTrack P4. And Belinda and I both are able to connect the two together. And we have now a morning crew of eight of us that are there every single morning, even on holidays, and even when we're on vacation, like here, um, where we still make it work. And we get on there and we have a daily question that we ask and our facilitator uh, who is assigned for that day asks a daily question, the crew answers it. We have somebody read the schedule and then we go back and forth between Zoom and Clubhouse and invite people to raise their hand and engage them by answering the question. And sometimes they'll share something that they're gonna do for the day or uh, that what they're going, they're looking forward to participating on in the community. On Saturday nights, we have backstage karaoke. I told you we um, hold karaoke on Saturday nights in our community, so that's on Zoom. But backstage karaoke is, you know, imagine if you were at karaoke on Thursday night and you know how loud it got and you're trying to have conversations at your table and depending where you are sitting, you're like having to either yell or lean over to somebody and whisper loudly in their ear to have a conversation. Well, in backstage karaoke, it's a little different because we have the music piped in sort of uh, through that P4 and it's coming in through Zoom, but Zoom can't hear Clubhouse unless we unmute in Zoom. So in Clubhouse, people are having conversations and listening to the music and it's open to anyone to come in so people can come up on stage and people invite them to sit at their table, virtual of course, and we just kind of have a party on Saturday nights and listen to our friends entertain and it's just great fun. So Clubhouse can be whatever it is you want it. And anybody, once you're in Clubhouse and a part of it, can even open a room. And you can open a room and it can be private where nobody else sees it except for the person or people you invite to the room. It can be social, meaning just those people that follow you We'll see, is it follow you or you follow? I feel like it's who you follow. We'll see your room and then, or it can be open to anyone. I highly recommend you're careful on that one and, and who you let up on stage. So it's very much set up like webinar. If you think about webinar in, in Zoom, you have people on stage or that are panelists, and then you have people in the audience who cannot unmute unless you give them permission. That's kind of how Clubhouse is set up. So once somebody asks to be invited up on stage and you allow them to, they suddenly now have 
the ability to unmute. But prior to that, they sit in the audience. They cannot bother your event. It's pretty safe that way. And if you have somebody that causes trouble, you can just put them back into the audience or remove them from your room. So the sky is the limit with Clubhouse. I do want to also add that Club Deck is also available for those on Mac as well as Windows. And it is accepted by uh, Clubhouse. So uh, it, it works really well between the two. And some people choose to use Club Deck over Clubhouse, um, the app in uh, their smartphone. The only thing that it doesn't do, which Zoom does, is allow people on the landline to also participate. But we know with ACB and our activities with community that we are covering those with the phone and um, in any platform that they like to use on Zoom. And then whatever people are comfortable with, we just kind of marry them together and we all get to be in like one big room. It's kind of like in here, we are in Oscar Wilde 4 in person, and we are connected to all those other sections of this big ballroom. And that's what we do when we connect Clubhouse and Zoom together. We take those two rooms and we remove that air wall, and we're all one big happy family. So that's how we're using Clubhouse. It's a great way to engage new people. We have new people coming to the community and learning about what we are doing all of the time. Every day, we have somebody new join Clubhouse, learn what ACB is about, and become a part of our community. So anybody is ever interested in learning more about how you can use Club Deck or Clubhouse through or for your chapter or your affiliate or your committee or your program, reach out to community at acb.org. We also have some great uh, programming that has been done that is part of our podcasts on acbmedia.org. So if you just put in the search Clubhouse, you will find some great listening uh, uh, tutorials or presentations that could be used as tutorials. So please utilize those as well. Yeah. Just really quick, do you have any future plans for what you'd like to do with the Clubhouse platform for ACB. Absolutely. Um, and we used it for convention last year, and we will again this year. Not sure exactly how we'll do it. A lot of what we did was we just used it as another audience. You know, convention is broadcast over ACB Media. Yay, ACB Media. Give them a hand. I know they're doing good work for you. <laughs> Um, and they work really hard. And so, and, and a lot of what we are going to be doing is hybrid. So it'll also be, we'll be using Zoom. And when we have the ability to do so, which means we have to have people that have um, a P4, like what we use, this little mini mixer. And, but we'll broadcast some of those events directly in to Clubhouse so that people that that's where they spend their time. And it's people from all over the world, by the way. 
Um, we have we have some regulars and shout out to uh, Sirku or Fenerican from Finland, who uh, loves the community and is is present often in Clubhouse and Zoom. Uh, but we we will use it for that and then as we identify more people that own the p4 we will be doing some training to connect zoom and clubhouse together and we hope to do very similar to what we do in acb presents each morning because we have learned that it is not a big deal truly to uh, manage having people participate in both rooms simultaneously. And we have a host in Zoom, we have a moderator in Clubhouse. They take turns calling on people and it works beautifully and it allows a lot of people to engage with us. Do you notice I love that word engage, engagement? Love, love, love it because that's how we cause connection. So anyway, Thank you so much. Is there anything else? Did I answer your questions? All righty. Thank you so much. Continue to have a great convention. Thanks. I, uh, you know, in putting this program together, my my wonderful committee, I should say, because everybody worked really hard in putting a program together. After we put everything together, we I found out that Cindy Hollis was going to be here live at convention, and I was just thrilled. So when I heard she was coming, I said, well, whatever I had planned can't hold anything to what Cindy Hollis has to say. So I definitely wanted to give her time to speak and share her experience with the platform with us today. So what I want to talk about, um, and I want to kind of follow up on something. I'm going to go a little out of order, but that's okay. I want to talk a little bit about what Cindy just said about the word engagement and engaging each other on the Clubhouse platform. Because guys, we everybody knows somebody. And even people who you've maybe have heard of, you at least if you've never met them or you've heard their voice somewhere. And when you're finding people on Clubhouse, and those are your friends. So we're all friends on Clubhouse. Those are how the that's how you build community, that's how you build relationships, and that's how you see what other people are doing on Clubhouse. So it's really exciting. You really have an opportunity to join or follow that person. So it is being social media. We all follow each other. It's like friends on uh, like on Facebook and other platforms as well. So when you see people who either you know, either in person, you know them personally, you either know them uh, just by name or you've heard them in some way, shape or form, you can say, oh, I know that name. So you just can hit click on the little follow button. Uh, of course, it's all accessible with our voiceover users and our talkback users on our smartphones and tablets. Of course, if you're using the Club Deck um, application, either on Windows and Mac, um, and I learned with the Mac that it's only available on newer Mac computers. So we apologize. Uh, sorry to say that people have older Macs, unfortunately, can't take advantage of that, at least at this point. But 
at least people have the option and be able to follow people and see what other people are doing. So what I want to kind of take a few minutes and just talk about how you sign up for Clubhouse. So, you know, we're talking about all these wonderful things and people are probably saying, well, that's great. You know, I can do this, I can do that, but I have no idea how to get on. Well, signing up for an account is fairly straightforward. Uh, even if you are not very tech savvy, and that's okay, you don't need to be tech savvy to navigate the platform. When you sign up, you are asked to verify your phone number and they send you a code, that your mobile number, of course, and you have to verify that. And then you fill out a form with your name and all that. I believe you create a password and then it's fairly straightforward. You have an option of creating a username and it's only a few basic questions. There's nothing personal. And like I said, the price is right. It is free, free, free. So there is absolutely no charge to be on the platform at all. So once you actually create your account, and we've already talked a little bit about how we follow people or find people, you have to build what they call your hallway. So your hallway, and for those that are here in person at our convention, and anybody who's listening on Zoom or ACB Media, I'm sure you can kind of get the general idea. So for those that are here in person, we have a variety of different meeting rooms. And in these meeting rooms, we're holding this workshop, we're holding another workshop on to same time and we've had them all day Friday and today and this afternoon and then tomorrow morning. So the hallway has the different rooms except in the hallway the hallway has is always changing. So when you sign up for your account you start building what they call your hallway and they present you with a list of just topics. These are not rooms that you're committed to join or be in or anything. In fact, you're not committed to join or be in anything you don't want to be. That's very important to say. Um, everything is strictly optional. It's strictly your choice. So they ask you to pick a variety of different topics and languages because since Clubhouse is a worldwide platform, there are clubs and there are rooms that are in various languages. So obviously, if you speak English, you primarily want English speaking rooms. You feel free to join any room in any language. However, the chances of you understanding of what they're saying, unless you understand or speak that language, it might be a little challenging for you, which is completely understandable. So you obviously pick your language and then you pick your topics. And based on the topics, they start showing you rooms that you can join. Now, most all the rooms that you join are, in fact, all the rooms or all the clubs that you're going to join 
are going to be live as they happen. However, over the time in the development of Clubhouse, they've also added the ability for clubs, for the moderators who run these clubs to actually record their meetings. So what's really nice about that is since there are some clubs that are open discussions and they can get pretty ruckus. I'm, I'm not going to lie. They really, really will. And some of them might be not to your liking. They unfortunately might have some vulgar language and that's okay. You don't want to go in there at all. And if you even go in there and go, oh, no, 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 uh-uh, can't handle that. You just leave and get right out. But there are some that are really structured in a presentation format similar to what we're doing here this weekend. And those are all controlled by the moderator. So if you know that there's something coming up and you missed it, most moderators will record their meetings and they will be available to listen on demand. And that's really nice. In the beginning, if you missed it, you just missed it. So it's like way back in TV. When before the days of VCRs, if anybody remembers that, <laughs> and now we have DVRs and all that and on demand, you know, if you didn't have that type of technology and you missed a TV show, well, you just missed that TV show. Well, now, you know, and so the same thing that goes on Clubhouse. So on Clubhouse, if you miss something and if the moderator has chose to record it, you can go, oh, I wanted to listen to that presentation on guide dogs or I wanted to listen to that presentation on that technology. So that's really nice that they allow um, the moderators to be able to record um, their presentations and have them available for on-demand services. I want Mark to come up. He is actually our uh, committee liaison, and he's also um, involved in our technology committee, obviously. And I wanted him to come up here and um, just speak for a few minutes, if he could, on what he thinks of Clubhouse. To my committee, Clubhouse is a fairly new thing. So uh, we, you know, we kind of had to learn this as we went along for a lot of us. I was using Clubhouse a lot in the beginning, but then I kind of backed off. So I kind of had to refresh my memory as well. And that's okay. It's a great learning tool. So I would like to turn the microphone over to here to Mark for a few minutes and like for him to make his presentation. Okay. For those of you who uh, really do know me, <laughs> I'm not really one of those who get into Facebook. I won't go there. I don't go there. I don't do Twitter. Um, but then Jason got this idea, and I'm not really a social media guy at all. But Jason says, well, let's do a thing on Clubhouse. Okay. <laughs> so I did. And I started, my, my topic was to, to go out there and look and see what uh, Back Channel is. Well, that's a funny name for something. Back Channel. Anybody know what that is? Uh, well, no. The Back Channel is just a way for people in Clubhouse can text. It's their texting channel. So if you're following somebody 
like I, I go, I did find a club that I liked. It was called uh, Star Wars. Uh, it was a Star Wars thing. I forget the exact name of it, but they were doing some stuff on uh, um, one of my shows. I watch um, uh, either the Mandalorian or one of them. Um, no, I think it was. Um, yeah, but anyway, I was watching these shows and I really liked Star Wars, Star Trek, that's my things that I really liked. And, and it was kind of a neat thing. It talked about the movies and talked about different things. And so I did contact somebody, right? She was running the meeting at the time. And so I did write a note out to her. I went through, I found people that both from Freedom Scientific or in Clubhouse. And I found some people, uh, I didn't find any personal friends that I really know, but um, I didn't really look hard for that. And I haven't, just like Jason, I've been into Clubhouse, but I didn't go back. But one thing I do like about Clubhouse is that you can go there, find your, uh, find information and you can go into the room, you can listen to it. You can, uh, most of the things that I found is, as, as Jason said, that you have, um, the recordings. So if you didn't get to see the thing, it was actually the one I did go to was, was kind of live, but I couldn't get on stage or anything like that because I didn't really know or nor did I really have anything to contribute, but I did learn some stuff when I went there. Um, and it was really kind of, um, interesting to me. And so it's a place that I probably would go because it's like coming to a room like this where you're going to be with other people and you can discuss things back and forth. And uh, so I kind of really did like it. But um, forget the Twitter and the Facebook. But anyway, any questions? So this is really a question to either you or Jason, but uh, you guys have talked about the sign-in process, but you haven't talked about where you go to sign in. Uh, I mean, is there an app on, <clears throat> if, if, you, if you have an iPhone, do you go to the app store? Um, maybe you could provide, a, go back to the very beginning. There you go. Good. Well, that part I did know um, because of the fact that I do have an iPhone and so do you, Paul. Um, there's a, a Clubhouse app. And of course, if you're going to have an Android phone, you're going to go to the Google Play and you'll find the, the Clubhouse app for that, too. Um, and I think Jason mentioned, I heard him say it, Club Deck. That is the um, the platform that you use in, um, you go to clubdeck.com and that's where you go to Clubhouse on the on the um, internet. So the, cl yes, Clubhouse, uh, Clubhouse, Deck, was it Deck? Club Deck. Club Deck. Yeah. That's for the computer, clubdeck.com. And then Clubhouse uh, is the app. Clubhouse is the app for the iPhone and the Android phones. Um, I want to kind of go back to something. I know we've been talking back and forth between the Clubhouse app and the Club Deck app on the various platforms. And there is one very important uh, thing that I wanted to mention in regards to that. And this was as of the last time I checked. Um, I hope that if it, if this is still the case, I hope in the future they uh, make a change here is that you can only be signed in if you're using 
Clubhouse, either on your Android or iOS device and Club Deck, um, you can only use Clubhouse or Club Deck. You can only be signed in to one app or the other at a time. You cannot be signed in with the same account um, because Clubhouse, the app, is developed by Clubhouse. Club Deck is actually not ran by Clubhouse or developed by Clubhouse. It's actually a third party. So I guess they just haven't found a way to keep people logged in and integrated into the same account. So that's something that's really, really important because a lot of people, they'll say that they're on Clubhouse and they have this app, they're signed in, they're using it, and they'll say, oh, well, now there's an option for my computer. Well, that's great. And then they go to sign in and they have a problem. So I really wanted to throw that out there um, so no one can go back and say, I went to that technology seminar and they said you could do this and you could do that and having all sorts of problems. So you're going to have to kind of either not pick and choose, but you're going to have to be signed into one and then sign back into the other one you want to go to the other platform as well. So that's to me, to me, that's a really important fact as well. You know, we talked a little bit about the back channel and how that works. Um, that's really nice because that's like an integrated chat um, and it doesn't interfere with what's going on in the main conversation as well. Um, and you can send private messages to one another. Some back channel uh, chats are, I believe, sent out to an entire group. So it's something that's really nice to have that option as well. Um, I wanted to also talk just briefly about the difference between a club and a room. And we've mentioned both here um, in our presentation today. So a room is something that's more temporary. So anybody who has signed up for a Clubhouse account can actually open up a room. And Cindy had touched on this a little bit earlier when we started our presentation on how you can make your room private, you can make it social, and you can make it open. So you have that option as well. So there's a couple different ways that you can set up your room and they could be set up in five minutes and in 10 minutes later, they could be gone. So, you know, those are just here today, gone tomorrow type of thing where clubs are much more permanent and they're much more of a fixture in the clubhouse community. Uh, like I said, Cindy uses that. Uh, for ACB quite a bit on various um, reasons. I know Freedom Scientific does a lot with uh, Clubhouse. They have their own set of Clubhouse rooms. So these are all clubs. So these are much, you know, much more permanent and much more of a, of a regular staple that you'll find in pretty much any hallway or any topic that you pick from the Clubhouse platform. So that's the difference. So rooms are more of a temporary thing and clubs are more, I'm sorry, yeah, rooms are more of a temporary thing and clubs are more of a permanent thing in regards to clubhouse. So, Jason? Yes. 
Uh, yes, I use Clubhouse. I've been a member since uh, March of last year. And this is Sherry Mullingraff. Um, when you go into a room, if you want to, to request to speak, here's the thing. Those, like you said, those uh, rooms or clubs where there's three or four people, where there's 10, 20, where there's hundreds, depending on what the, they're speaking about. You know, it could be investment. Uh, it could be science. There's conspiracy theory rooms. There's mothers, uh, uh, you know, parenting rooms. There's uh, uh, advocacy for like cancer patients. There's just whatever, or just a, a couple of people want to sit and chat. Two or three people go in. Some are open, like you said, and some you have to request to speak. So the bottom button, when you do that, doesn't mean that they're going to let you speak. You ha you have to wait for one of the moderators to send you a, you know, accept button. Then you have to accept it. And you could be put on a queue uh, or if there's a lot of people asking questions, you know, they can also just ignore it. So just because you request doesn't mean you can always speak. And while you're in the room and you like what somebody says, you can go up there, find their name, and they'll usually tell you, you know, this is so-and-so, I'm speaking, if you want to follow me. But here's the thing about following people. If you turn notifications on and you have 150 people you follow, you're going to get a lot of notifications. So, you know, every time they go into a room or open a you know, go into a club, open a room, you're going to get a notification. Hey, you know, Jason is in the science technology room or whatever. So you might want to think about that. And if notifications aren't on, when you go in your hallway, you'll see them, you know, so-and-so is active and this room is going on. And there's a button at the bottom set events and you can go there and the different clubs you have followed Next Tuesday at four o'clock, they're going to be open. So you can kind of get an idea of the future. Like, uh, okay, yeah, Tuesday, I'm going to go in and listen to them talk about uh, whatever their conversations on that you're interested in. So those are some things that are um, kind of unique to Clubhouse. And, and, you know, it can be whatever you want. It can be, like I said, social. It can be just two or three friends sitting there chatting it could be learning about something it could be small big medium rooms so there's just so much on there it's just hard to talk about it all in in this session thank you and could you just say who your name is so everybody knows who's speaking sherry mullingraff all right thank you sherry all right, guys. Well, it is getting close to where we need to end. And first of all, I know we have barely touched the surface of what Clubhouse is, how it works, and what you can do with it. Uh, if we did a full presentation, we would probably be here another couple hours. And I think um, everybody would just uh, be kind of done at that point. So um, that is the conclusion. Uh, please feel free to get on the App Store. If you're an Apple user, feel free to join or download it on the Google Play Store for Android users or find it uh, for your Windows PC or your Mac and join Clubhouse. I'm sure you will find some topic of interest and probably many more than you even imagine. I want to also thank uh, the other people who have helped out with today with Mark Lear, Sherry Mullingraff, who are on our committee as well. I also want to thank once again, Cindy Hollis for agreeing to speak and sharing her experience today. So thank you very much. It's been wonderful. And we hope you enjoyed our presentation today.